It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. I am so sorry, Gary. I took you for granted. I never, ever should have let you do my dry cleaning or work overtime without pay. I mean, that's illegal anyway. I'm so sorry. I still want to kill you. Gary, when Rip first recruited the legends, he picked the people that were insignificant to history, the original losers. You don't have to be cool to be a legend. And maybe we forgot that somewhere along the way, but... You are one of us. Now, come on, Gary. Ray and Constantine are both stuck in hell, and you can help them. Just use your fairy godmother powers for good. Oh, fairy godmother! Go find John and help him rescue Ray from hell. Oh, fiddlesticks. Welcome, Primers, into this issue 147, our fall finale, uh, and our Arrowverse finale spectacular, if you will. Uh, episode. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, we didn't plan that originally, but then we were like, screw it. Yeah. Let's just do it all together. It worked out that way. But yeah, it, Actually, I was really kind of happy, because it was like tying a bow on the year, and doing it in one episode is a really cool experience. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's odd that two finales aired one week and two aired another but you know we decided to use it to our advantage take a little bit of a break last week and just kind of wrap everything up into one episode and uh it it works it's well we're gonna see how well it works because we haven't actually finished recording yet we're just starting at this point uh but you the audience are already getting the finished product uh but yes episode 147 of the dc primetime podcast here on the next level podcast network uh or from the next level from the spotlight here on i'm already discombobulated uh from the spotlight here on the next level podcast network i am ben beck and from the capping crew cast of pods i am rob martin it has been um an interesting two weeks to say the least i know you and i have been busy as hell Yes. Uh, in our um, in our own personal lives, which is well, one of one of the big reasons you had your good group of friends that you you get to celebrate kind of does kind of pop culture with in general um, in your neck of the woods. So you had a good like four or five busy days for sure. Uh, I had a convention all last week, so I know you and I are both exhausted. Yes. But it was <laughs> one of those things that kind of refills the well when you need it. Sometimes yes. Where you're like, hey, there's a group of people I haven't seen in a long time. It re- reestablishes the connection with those friends that you don't normally get to see. And it kind of like, you know, like builds you up. And it's kind of sometimes you just need those things. So it was while well, I missed doing the show and doing a show for all of you guys. And I'm sure Ben feels the same way. It was one of those necessary things. And you could, you'll probably hear it in our voices today where 
we don't sound like grumpy old men today. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there are multiple there are multiple reasons for that. I mean, one, it was you know. Uh, you know, it's it's nice getting back to this after having taken that week off. Uh, but at the same time, it's also nice not having any homework of shows to watch this week because uh, yeah, everything yeah. was already done. So uh, it, I know I watched a lot of this stuff the week before. So it's going to take a couple minutes for the stuff to start to click in and me to start to remember right. everything that happened. But uh, but yeah, you're right. We, we don't sound grumpy. We're not uh angry about the fact that we're talking about these shows it's it's nice and on top well, of that yeah, i haven't started talking about arrow yet so. i know <laughs> just kidding oh actually I, I don't think it's gonna be that bad but so for the the arrow fans out there I, I i'm actually i've come up with a new system that i think is going to work in incredibly well <laughs> and i love what you're calling it too <laughs> uh but yeah but on top of that too you know as we mentioned this is the fall finale uh you know we started breaking up our seasons into the fall season which is all arrowverse and then the summer season which is now dc universe streaming as well as animated films and things like that that are coming out uh but this is the first time in the three or four years we've been doing this podcast that our summer season is planned ahead of time well, do we want to should we talk about what we're going to do real quick so everybody knows now versus the end of the podcast i think i think we should i think this okay. is a good time to kind of go over our schedule for the summer season uh and you know this way people know when to tune in and, and what they're going to be tuning in for over the summer and we'll go from there because, you know, summer is ordinarily about three or four months. And we have, as of right now, 15 weeks of shows already planned and scheduled out, which I think is going to be great. Uh, but yeah, so this episode right now is going to be our season finale of the fall season. Next week's going to be our kickoff to the summer season. And we're going to kick that off next week with our review. Just as we did with Doom Patrol, uh, we are going to cover the season premiere of Swamp Thing, uh, which is going to be interesting because we've been hearing some word, advanced word on how the show is. Uh, yes. Rob, you had mentioned it. It seems like it's kind of a slow burn. So it's a, yeah, I heard it, it is like a build up to a horror movie. Um, and there is very little Alec Holland as Swamp Thing by the end of the first episode. So I, uh, so fair warning, if you're a subscriber, um, I've seen uh, numerous posts out there from people that have seen the first four episodes and says the show continually builds and builds and builds. Uh, but they said it's very much in the vein of if you think about a 10 hour long horror film. So they said you have to kind of take it in that vein. Uh, and it feels like classic Swamp Thing at that. So um, so I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it. I really, really am. Uh, but I have a feeling this is going to be one of those things that the way that we review the universe shows is going to be really beneficial to us because we're going to do them in chunks. Yeah. And I think we're going to be able to have a very different takeaway um, episode to episode watching it that way. And I think this is a show I'm going to wait. To, to binge so yeah I, I, i'm with you on that one <clears throat> excuse me as well but on top of swamp thing we're also going to give our review of batman versus teenage mutant ninja turtles which, which i can give you a quick review now but i'm not going to <laughs> uh, but i will say what i've seen is amazing yeah so. and i'm looking forward to watching that uh then over the course of the following four weeks after that we're going to bring you our annual our arrowverse annuals uh starting first with arrow of our annual of supergirl annual of legends of tomorrow our arrow annual and then our flash annual which if you're not familiar with our annuals basically where we break down the season give our ultimate rating of the of the season as a whole uh we tell you about our favorite characters least favorite characters favorite episodes least favorite episodes favorite moments and least favorite moments uh and we rate the season as a whole as well as the villain the big bad of the of the season as well 
Yeah. And I can say I think really only one show is getting a legend on its villain. <laughs> so Oh um, god, yeah, that's right. Because one of those shows kicked everyone's ass. <laughs> but we'll talk about that in this episode though too. Yep. Uh, the following weeks after that, we're going to be breaking down Doom Patrol, which I'm really excited about finally jumping into and breaking oh, down because you and I... I'm just excited to watch it again. I like, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to watch the whole thing all over again right now. Yep. We're, we're going to do that over the course of three weeks. So uh, that first week will be episodes one through five, followed by six through ten, and then obviously 11 through 15. Uh, the next two weeks after that, I know I'm really looking forward to because it's something completely new we've never done before. Uh, we will be doing Doing our inaugural, inaugurable, god damn it! It's inaugural. our inaugural. That's it. <laughs> our inaugural primer awards, uh, starting with our first week of reading off the nominations of all of the awards that we're going to be doing, uh, and then the following week we're going to be. Over the course of that week, we're going to be letting you guys uh, vote on that. Voting will actually probably start before we're even reading the nominees, uh, to be honest. And then the week after that, we're going to announce all the winners of all the voting that's going to be happening. And we're going to have some special guests on for that one, and possibly even including some of the winners, which would be kind of cool if we can work it out. Uh, and then over the course of the following couple weeks after that, we're going to have our San Diego Comic-Con episode. We're going to have our Hush Batman Hush review. Uh, we're going to work out possibly doing a Batman Beyond episode with our buddy Shad if he's on board, which I'm sure he will be after hearing this. Uh, and then we're going to break I, down Swamp Thing, episodes one through ten over the course of two weeks. So Yeah, so it, yeah, lots lots and lots to come. But thankfully, you know, you know it's one of those things I think it's going to be really easy for anybody to jump in. And of course, we'll still be talking about the news through all of this timeline. Um, you know, obviously, we got E3 that is in two weeks. Uh, so I'm sure there's going to be maybe something finally from Rocksteady. Uh, so big wait and see. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Um, and then we get to we get to head into what could be our final season of this show uh, because crisis is around the corner. So. Do, do we want to talk about that? Um, we can. Yeah, uh, absolutely can. Um, it's not in. It's not completely guaranteed yet, um, but Rob and I have been kicking around the idea of not ending the podcast uh, after next season shows, but the potential of uh, Bo and Luke duking it, as I call, and turning it over to some new co-hosts. Uh, basically turning the show over to two new hosts. And it's... We're still working out the details for that, but we feel like, you know, we've done this for long enough. It, it is a big chore to watch four shows and talk about four shows every week, which will be five shows next season with the inclusion of Batwoman. So, um, and it's it's not just the fact that if this was the only podcast we did, it would be one thing. But you and I each have other podcasts that we do right. on top of this. And so, we have a new one. You and I are about to start together as well. And I have a couple other ones in pre-production right now as yeah. well. So, yeah. um, you know, because I, like, I know it's not something you can you have done with your life at this point, but I've pretty much quit the nine to five and I've become full time podcaster and uh, con developer, which I'm. I guess I can I can announce right now too the LLC for our, for my con has gone through and we are officially a full fledged company which is amazing, mm -hmm. but yeah between you know uh, other podcasts and such it's it's been a lot of work to have to watch four shows and talking about them every week so we love this podcast we don't want it to end so rather than just say hey we're DC primetime is ending uh, we're thinking about just kind of auditioning some new people to potentially take over. 
for us. Right, right. And it's it, again, it's one of those things like we were next season when the actual new fall season starts off. We could do it completely different than you're used to, where Ben reviews two shows, then I review two shows, and then we review Arrow together. Uh, we, we have no idea how we're going to go into it. But don't be surprised if there are some shakeups on the way in our formats for next year. Uh, we're trying to find ways to help lighten the load for the two of us because, again, this show puts a lot on our plates every week. And it's really difficult to um, live your life around a TV schedule. It's really, really hard. Uh, so we're, we're going to try to do that. But we we even said last year, after Crisis, where do you go? And I, we, we, we'd rather bow out in a high moment that we truly think is going to be the greatest way to end this. And after that, I don't see what they can do that can top it. I really don't. And, and, so. and you know what? It started as a joke because I jokingly said, well, if they do crisis, what else do we have to talk about? That's the end of the podcast. And, and my brain went, <laughs> I, I think you're right. I, <laughs> yeah. think that's, I think it's true. The, the <laughs> so. closer we get to crisis, the more real that statement, that joke is actually becoming for us. Um, and I don't want that to seem like, well, we're bowing out on top and we're we're leaving the leftovers for two new people because that's not the case at all. There's definitely going to be plenty more to talk about between the Arrowverse shows that are continuing and, uh, you know, the DC streaming universe. And that's not to say you and I won't can't make special guest appearances oh, on the podcast not. from time to time because yeah, I know no, we would absolutely. both love to. Right. But I think the other thing that it comes down to as well, and we talked a little bit about this over the past couple of weeks, is that we've kind of – we started this because we were fans of these shows, and I think this podcast has kind of caused us to become a little jaded in the way we view these shows. Please go back and see any of my recent reviews of Arrow. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <So>. exactly. <laughs> um, it's it's kind of we've kind of become we've kind of shifted into the mind of critics and away from the minds of fans, and we don't want that. Yeah, because again, we're here to talk to you as fans, and if we can't do that anymore then we're not doing what we set out to make this podcast. And that's a disservice to you. It's a disservice to the shows, the actors, the writers that try to make the show that people enjoy week after week. And if we're becoming people that can enjoy it, we shouldn't be reviewing it. And that's that's the biggest thing here. And we, we don't want to misrepresent the DC brand, even though we're not paid from them. It's, it's something that we love and care about. So there's a reason I pay for DC Universe service monthly. Uh, because I love the characters. I want them to live on but again, it's it doing stuff like this for a long period of time. Like, I I'm I'm so superheroed out, and I don't want to do that because it's one of my favorite things in the world. Uh, and I'm like, I need to refill that well. And I think post crisis is going to be when I get an opportunity to do yeah, that. Yeah, and I think right now Doom Patrol is a good example of that because we you and I are loving the shit out of Doom Patrol, and I it's something new and something fresh. And you never know though. Too Batwoman could just be like, boom, that's the well I needed refilled. Well, it's, it's also something it's something exciting. new and fresh, but it's also the fact that we're not talking about it every week. Like yeah. we're actually able to watch it and enjoy it, knowing we don't have to analyze this thing for a while. Um, and I think that's part of it. I think, you know, our, we're getting to watch Doom Patrol uh, for the first time as a fan, knowing we're not going to be reviewing this for a little while. But whereas with the Arrowverse right now, every time we watch this, we automatically shift into review mode because we have to talk about it that week. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, so I think I, I think that's the case. So, you know. Just to sum up everything we've talked about, there's a potential, there's definitely going to be some format changes going into the next seasons of Arrow. Uh, what they are going to be yet, we don't know, but there's potential that after next season, uh, the the podcast is going to remain 
uh, as part of the Next Level Podcast Network, but potentially with two new hosts. Uh, so with that being said, if you, if anybody out there is interested in possibly joining us for a summer episode so we can check out your chops and see if maybe you are a candidate for potentially taking over, uh, send us an email um, or, yeah. or message I mean, us do- on Facebook. Yes, please. And uh, honestly, one of the things, too, we were talking about as well, just because this is a good idea for anybody out there that's interested in getting into podcasting, um, interested in the, this stuff and really loves it and can talk about it in a excited way, an excited manner and be, you know, thrilled to kind of carry a, carry the torch for us. Um, you know, we would love to have whoever that main lead's going to be for that show join us for part of next season. Yeah. And be a third chair and be there with us. And so transition. Yeah. We'll and when we hand off the torch, it's going to feel like nothing's changed for any of you. We don't want you to all of a sudden be like, oh, it's the B team. I want you to be like, nope, the A team is still here at the same point in time. Um, that's that's the only way I would successfully See, do it. And if we can't, then we may just bow out gracefully. And that's, that's, yeah, that's a possibility, too. Think of it like the cast from Legends of Tomorrow, where we add new legends and some old ones drop out. And so that means when I have my final moment on the show, I'm going to say there are no strings on me, and I will just unplug my mic. <laughs> Damn it! You're going to steal the Leonard Snart escape. I will. <laughs> but it's okay, because Gary Green is all the man we need. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. You know what? Let's get into it, because I want to start talking about some of these episodes. It is time. Uh, but so how, how we're going to do this this time, since we did not talk about the penultimate episodes of Supergirl and Legends, is we're kind of because they kind of worked hand in hand, in hand and the finales were almost we're immediate. Fold them in. Yep. There. We're just going to fold them right into the finales. Uh, so we're going to go down the line and give our ranking, our one to three point ranking sidekick hero or legend of uh, all of the shows. And when it comes to Legend and Supergirl, we'll probably do a blank slash blank for that. Right. Exactly. Uh, and then we'll go back and we'll break them down. So uh, starting first with Supergirl season four, episodes 21 and 22, the penultimate and finales of the season. Uh, let's kick it off with them. What do you give those episodes? Double legend. Um, I think this show is just it succeeded on every front this year. And these two episodes were a perfect kind of two part finale that had a really good, strong payoff with big ramifications for next year. And I am pumped and excited to see where it's going to go. I'm, I'm with you, man. It's, it's a legend slash legend for me as well. And like I've mentioned before, how kind of man of steel sucked the, my love for Superman out of me and Tyler kind of restored it. Uh, this season of Supergirl has further restored my love for Superman. Uh, and I know she's not Superman, but I, so I'll I'll re-clarify. This show has restored my lo- my love for that S. Yeah. Oh no, it's it's that the S shield is now really again a symbol for hope in the way that we view that that fandom and you know the Kryptonian kind of angle of of the DC universe. They did such a good job of really playing homage, and they've done it for years. But they told I can't wait to do do the annual for this season because. By far, I think this was the one of the greatest seasons as a whole. Like it stands right next to like season one of The Flash, of one of the best seasons of these the, these series ever. Yeah, no, I'm with you uh, th- again. This this season has just been phenomenal, and I I can't wait to see like you what they're gonna do in the future. Absolutely. Uh, next up, we have Legends of Tomorrow season four, episode fifteen and sixteen. Again, penultimate and finales. What do you give these two? 
<laughs> this is also going to be a legend in a legend, man. Um, it's it's a very different legend. <laughs> it's it, in the way that we talk about Supergirl. They play just the way that the legends always play. They have fun and they're not afraid to, to just lean into the just the ridiculousness of it all. From everything from Nora Dark becoming Gary Green's fairy godmother <laughs> and staying <laughs> Gary Green's fairy godmother by the end. Um, but the fact that we got to see like smarmy tech tech techie version of Evil Ray for a good two episodes. Near Ray. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but like, they had so much fun with this. They really, you could tell how much they enjoyed it, and a beautiful callback to you know, um, you know that the song that uh, we we got with the Minotaur earlier in the season, which was a wonderful, wonderful bow with the season this year. God, it was so uh, great seeing Tom Wilson again. Uh, yeah, and it was. They they had a lot of fun with this. They really, really did. I, it was not as big and bombastic as last year, but it was still a Legends finale. And I love the fact that they gave John Constantine some closure from his series. So I think they did a really good job. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's a, it's a Legend slash Legend for me on this one as well because, like, I just I, 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 it's just so much fun to watch. And when we get into it too, one of the absolute best Arrowverse cameos ever in this episode. <laughs> That's right, absolutely. Uh, all right. Next up, we have Arrow season seven, episode twenty-two, season finale. What do you, I'm interested. What do you give this one? Well, I in- invented something new for this finale. Uh, originally, I was going to give this a two, <laughs> uh, but which means I would have put it in the sidekick territory. Then I realized, yes, again, I am jaded when it comes to most of these shows. So I created. Is if you've ever had been in college, then you know the bell curve. So I created the Guggenheim curve. So I added <laughs> I added two points to all of my scores for Arrow. Uh, so it is now a low hero. So uh, I had some issues with it. Uh, I think they handled some stuff great. There was some stuff that I thought was just yeah. And I'm just gonna leave it at that. Okay, uh, that's that's perfectly fine. I mean, again, you have the right. I I know how you felt about this season in general. So I had a feeling it was probably gonna be. Uh, a lower end episode, a lower end tier for you, but I'm actually going mid. I'm somewhere between mid and high hero on this one, um, and it might be because I kind of viewed it a little differently. Uh, but we'll get into that when we go back and start discussing the episode. Sure. No problem. And last, we have The Flash, season five, episode 22, season finale, uh, sidekick, hero, or legend. I'm going to give this one a high hero. Um, I, I really did enjoy it. I think this season, uh, just like last season, there was a bit of a misstep for the show. But I think there were some really fun moments of it. I, that's, I, you know, like I said, when we get into the, like, you know, again, the annual, we'll, we'll get into where those problems fell. But I think um, I was hoping the cicada angle of this would have been wrapped up a lot sooner in this finale. Yep. We would have got a lot more reverse flash because it was building and building and building with very little payoff. Um and it didn't feel like the stakes were quite as high as we normally feel for a finale of The Flash. But uh, all that aside, some amazingly beautifully written scenes, uh, amazingly acted scenes in this in this finale, and some great teases of things to come that have me very excited. Yes, agreed. I'm uh, I'm high hero, or, or not? So I'm sorry. I'm low legend on this one. Uh, I'm in legend territory with this with this season. I love a lot of the stuff that they did at the end to kind of wrap up. Uh, put a little closure on a couple stories, which uh, we knew was coming at some point. Uh, but yeah, some good setup for a couple a couple gems that we might be getting next season, which I'm really excited for as well. Mm-hmm. So, 
All right, let's go back to the start, and we're going to jump into Supergirl episode 21, Red Dawn, and episode 22, The Quest for Peace. We're going to kind of blend them together a little bit, but um, man, oh man, okay, there's a- Can we talk about- All right, let's start with one specific character, because it's important. I think it's incredibly important, because it makes me wonder if we know who our big bad is for next year. Um, uh, so uh, do you want to talk about Lena? No, oh. I want to talk about Brainiac. <laughs> oh, no, I don't think we're getting him as a villain because that was kind of wrapped up in the season finale. Yeah, he, he got his emotions back. He did. But I, I, I could see that twisting at some point because I could see a Brainiac like traditional Brainiac and Lena Luther next year potentially becoming a a interesting villain twist because she is very smart and knows what he is. So because we saw a taste of that, I felt like they're doing it for a reason and not just as a throwaway thing. Um, Because let me tell you how crazy creepy it was watching Jesse Rath goes click a switch in his, in, in the way he was acting that character and just come off so Twisted, cold, and calculated. Well, before before um, you go any further, let me read the, okay. the episode synopsis. Oh, yeah. Because um, sure, sure. I almost forgot that. Uh, but season four, episode 21, the, the penultimate Red Dawn. Uh, Kara comes face to face with Red Daughter and the two engage in an epic battle. And then, of course, the quest for peace, which was the finale. Uh, Lex Luthor descends upon Washington, D.C. and summons Lena and Lily into the White House. When Supergirl realizes she has one last chance to stop Lex, she turns to the power of the press to help. Um, okay, so now we can we can continue on with the the discussion into things. Um, I see I see for sure Lena being set up as a big bad for next season, um, and that might just pass by. That might not be the the fact at all because we also got I think it's what, what, Leviathan. Yes, I which I my brain does not remember, but I'm sure it's a thing in DC Comics though. While you talk about that, I will look up Leviathan. Yeah, I, I was I was not. This was actually one of the few times that we've gotten a tease for something further uh, that I wasn't familiar with it either. I wasn't familiar with Leviathan. I'm pretty sure it is something from the comics. I think it's like a uh, an organized crime syndicate uh, that was started, but I'm not I'm, exactly t- completely so sure. So looking at this really quickly, it is a criminal organization in DC Comics, later revealed to be a schism of the League of Assassins under the leadership of Talia al Ghul. Oh. So I'm curious uh, what the hell they're doing then. So. Well, I mean, <laughs> if it's if it's reference to Talia, maybe they're setting up something, because if you figure with Crisis coming next year and the multiverse probably combining down to one, Supergirl potentially being part of that universe now, uh, post-Crisis, you figure whatever their their big bet is has to be something they can kind of rein in from the start. Right. It, it's got to be something, it can't be like this big bad villain, you know, like Brainiac or somebody, because then... Once Crisis ends, you have to incorporate... Well, you wouldn't have to incorporate everybody else because Flash and Arrow kind of stayed separate. Mm-hmm. Arrow, That's true. Arrow never came in to help against Cicada. So, I, I, okay, I take that back. The big bad doesn't really have to be reined in. No. It could be anyone. No. <laughs> very, very true. So I'm curious. I'm very, very curious to see where they're going to go, but it could it could be a little bit of anything. So very, very curious to see how it's all going to play off. But yeah, I know, like I said, there's also that... There was the Leviathan Rising storyline too, so there's there's tons that can happen. I mean, they could they could play with this any little way that they like. So who knows? Yeah, it was it was very interesting watching Brainy make that switch because I thought for sure that was something. 
that they were potentially setting up for next season in the penultimate. I was like, wow, they're setting this up kind of early. But even in the finale, when we still had that Brainy before Brainy's thoughts came back, um, you you kind of got the I at least myself, I kind of got the impression that he's not evil. He just all of his emotions are gone and his super intelligence is what precedes everything now, because even in in the reveal of everything of letting Dreamer and John being taken, his emotions prevented him from caring about what happened to them. But in the end, it really was a good plan. It was. I mean, I well, again, Brainiac, the original Brainiac is essentially a tactician that just, just destroys and takes over worlds. So you have to be a little smart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so he um, wasn't. I, I think- he he wasn't against Kara and and Lena and Alex. He was simply just going with like you said, like the tactical plan of what would work best. And it was the, again, it, it was, was the lack of emotions that allowed him to do that. Right, and it was just kind of like eh. But like he also didn't care though if anything horrible happened to him, as long as the the outcome means the bad guys did not win. At that point, that's the version of Brainiac we had, which is not a far stretch away from getting to traditional Brainiac versus uh, you know Brainiac Five from. The Legion. So it's one of those things that if a, a conk on the head can cause that, I think it's going to cause some interesting situations. And I don't think it's going to be the last we saw of that. So you don't think, think he's completely it. shaking it? Oh, God, no. Uh, because he did say, I remember everything. And then it was him. He said, uh, compartmentalizing. And again, as he puts it, little boxes, little boxes, little boxes. Uh, so he now does remember everything for the first time. So it's how he deals with that struggle. But I'm looking forward to watching that play and how that's going to play. Uh, because, I again, I feel like they wouldn't have put it in there if it wasn't a setup to do something big with his character. Or it's just the next evolution of his character. Either or. But I would almost love to see it because I thought what you had there was an opportunity to create potentially a, a super interesting villain for next year. So who knows? I, I really honestly, regardless, Jesse Rath in both of these episodes gave a excellent performance. Yes, he did, man. Yeah, he was a fin- he's always been a great phenomenal actor, but what he brought in, I mean, and who's to say that this isn't the way that they they used to bring Win back? It's very true. Well, we know Win's coming back next year. Well, that's what so. I, mean. I mean. We know he's coming back, but maybe this is the way they do it. I mean, cuz Win's going to have knowledge of of Brainy's technology. Yeah. So who's to say they're not going to bring him back to kind of fix Brainy? Which would be awesome. It would be a great way to do it. And I I can't wait to see Win and him together because now that we had – because we had – it was a hard transition to a, a, a season without Win. Uh, but once we got to know Jesse Rath and the way he played this character, the more and more and more I fell in love with this character. Yeah. Oh, I was already a fan of his from last season when we first got introduced to him. But you're right. Yeah. It was it was a question as to how he would be without Win, and he pulled it off, man. Like, it's brilliantly. But yeah, uh, so big kudos to him and the way that they played him for the finale. Yeah, uh, we'll talk a little bit about um, the 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 fight between Kara and Red Daughter that happens in the penultimate episode. Um, the only complaint I have with the penultimate episode, I maybe it's just me. I found it a little cheesy about the drawing of the light from the ground. Yeah, uh, if memory serves correctly, that is something that's happened in the comics. It has. I'm like, I'm like, okay, it was a little cheesy, but you know what? I think it worked because it was it was such a quick scene. Because I watched that scene originally because I kind of fell asleep when I watched the episode yesterday midday, and then I went back and rewatched it late last night. 
uh, to make sure I didn't miss any pieces. And it felt like that played really long. But at the same time, though, I thought it worked well because it was that touching moment of Alex kind of remembering who her sister is at the same time. And you had uh, Eliza, you know, like in the background, too. So you saw the Danver family all together. I thought it was just a really it was touching. It ended up becoming touching at first. It felt cheesy. But on the second watch, I will definitely say it actually played correctly. I think where's Dean Kane? I want Dean Kane back. (laughs) I want I want the Eradicator back. I'm still calling he's the Eradicator now. <laughs> so would I. Uh, hey, the show's not done yet. That's true. <laughs> hey, man, we can get Eradicator next season, which would be amazing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things about watching these two episodes and kind of talking about them back to back, and I'm sure you'll share this because a lot of the feedback on the Facebook page is about this. Uh, you know, we get that whole thing by the end of we see Red Daughter kind of fly, you know, she hears something and she kind of flies off. And then the next thing we see in the penultimate episode is Lu- is uh, is Lex in his Lex armor holding the body of Red Daughter. And one of my absolute favorite moments is in the beginning of the season finale, seeing everything that took place in between that. What was happening while Kara and Red Daughter or uh, were, were fighting each other. And that is Lex destroying the Kaznia army. Oh yeah, singing like, to Frank Sinatra. Oh my God, the I did it my way. Yes, was, and and you know it was a great callback because we we had the we had that play when he took out all of the guards when they kind of ascended on you know Lex's manor uh, earlier on in the season. Yep. it was the exact same same song playing, and I'm like that was brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, all I can say is the, the annual. We're gonna have a really hard time picking best character for the year. <laughs> I, I think. It's going to be a really struggle because I think there's way too many candidates. It's it's going to be a, it's going to be hard in general because I mean we talk about least favorite moments, least favorite episodes. I don't I can't think of any anything right now that would fall into the least category. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be tough, um, but it's going to be great getting to go back and rewatch a couple of these episodes. Um, sticking to the whole music element of the thing um, of the episode of the thing uh, of the season finale. It was great that my way moment was great, but uh, on top of that, another just as great moment is the fight scene at the end to Motley Crue's kickstart my heart. Uh, Yeah, that was kind of cool. Which was perfect Uh, because that's literally what happened to Brainy in that moment. Uh, yeah. His heart was restarted. I mean, his, the, I mean, you consider his emotions are his heart. You know, his emotions and his heart was restarted. So seeing all those different fight elements to Motley Crue's Kickstart My Heart, which is a fantastic song, uh, yeah. was like yeah. another I have a huge smile on my face moment as I'm watching. You know, we have James going up against Ben. You've got, you know, just everything playing off. You have Kara going up against, you know, Lex. And then you have John and, and Dreamer kind of, just you know, holding back the pylons to give everybody that like you know power boost, and it was just awesome. It was just damn cool, and I think they did an awesome job with it. And they just they didn't forget to have fun, and that was really what it came down to. That is the element of these shows that they sometimes forget. You know, um, Arrow gets a little too grim dark sometimes. Flash has actually kind of been teetering into that category, and then you you get to Legends and Supergirl, and they both remember this year. It's all about having fun. And I think they've succeeded consistently. And I think you saw that really all over 
these final two episodes of Supergirl where they closed up everything in just the right way. Everybody had their moment and they didn't forget to also make the viewers smile. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. And I think, you know, we'll talk a little bit about this more uh, with Flash, but um, when we get to that annual or when we get to that season finale, but you know, you mentioned how Flash kind of teetered into that a little bit too. That's one of the things I'm very hopeful about after the season finale of Flash is that they've kind of, kind of closed a little bit of that, um, and they're going to go into some more lighter fare next season. Uh, but we'll see. Oh, well, I mean, and that's tough to say with Crisis because Crisis is kind of a dark moment in in the DC universe. Um, but yeah, so so back to Supergirl. Um, it, we got a couple character fates we have to talk about real quick. Yes. Um, um, so in the penultimate, we do see Otis. Um, take it off the board. Uh, ben Lockwood rips out that kryptonite heart. So we know he is dead yet again, but it's Otis, which means he can come back. <laughs> he can come back. Season. And I'd be fully okay with that because I loved his character so much this season. He was so ridiculous and so wonderful. Um, but we did see that. You know, obviously, uh, Ben Lockwood, uh, he was becoming unstable. Uh, and you saw like chunks of his hair falling out and all from the hair and kind of essentially almost killing him before they were able to just, you know, extract it. Uh, during that fight with James. Which we, we probably would have seen from James, too, had James had hair. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. No. And, again, that's not a dig because Ben and I are both bald. Yes, so. exactly. It works. We're allowed to talk um, about bald people. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> we've suffered through that. Uh, but, yeah. No, I think they did a really good job there. Like I said, we do see, uh, you know, James Olsen, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. by the end of the episode as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, so we have an eye patch, James Olsen, which I think is a temporary thing. James Olsen, agent of Shield, that's fantastic. Uh, where we do now see him, you know, rocking an eye patch from uh, post that fight. Uh, but I'm sure everything will be fine. They'll find a way to to address that next season. I don't think we're going to be seeing him rock that the entire time because um, it just it, it just was kind of a little goofy. Uh, but I will say, you know, it was it was a really nice wrap up where James no longer has his powers at all. So. We see Ben Lockwood then locked up uh, and, you know, but still alive. And we do see him, you know, in his final moments of the finale, watching the TV, watching his son kind of becoming a new voice for um, peace between aliens, which I thought was great to see that he realizes he's gone so far and realizes his family's kind of fractured from the things that he's done. Yeah. Uh, but it gives you a little bit of hope for his character because he was a really good B villain. Uh, and that's not saying that he was not one of the top villains, because I think he was. I mean, he really held a, a really strong handle. And if we never even got Lex, I still would have been equally as happy with Ben Lockwood as our big bad. Uh, we said that all season long. I still firmly believe that at the end. But when you bring in Lex and you pull off Lex the way that you did here, uh, unfortunately, Ben becomes the B villain. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, we got an introduction to a number of different villains. I mean, let's not forget Manchester Black was introduced this season as well. Uh, and Lex, you're right. When you introduce Lex Luthor, no other villain can compare. I mean, God, you could even put I, you could even bring in Apocalypse at that point, And I would still put Lex above him. I would too. Uh, or dark, or dark side. I think you mean. Or dark yeah. side, yeah, not apocalypse. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, um, you could bring dark side in, and I would still put Lex above him. When it yeah, comes to um, su- when it comes to super characters like Supergirl, right. Superman, L- Lex tops all. Yeah. Well, how about this? Why don't Why don't you do the honors to talk about the end of Lex's story? Uh, and I would roll maybe Red Daughter into that. 
I, well, yeah, I mean, we we definitely see something that I was kind of a little disappointed in, and not because of the character, because I mean, uh, God, when James Cryer, when John Cry, John uh, James, when John Cryer was announced as casting of Lex, I know you and I were kind of of the same mind. We're like, okay, let's give him a shot, let's give him a chance, let's see how he is. After seeing what he has done in Supergirl, I will straight up say this is one of the best portrayals of Lex Luthor I have ever seen. Yeah, um, I gotta say Cl- Clancy Brown is my number one. I might put John Cryer at number two. I'm not gonna I lie. Mean, well, see, I would put Hackman up there for me. Um, Gene Hackman is probably my number one, and I would put... Clancy Brown is, is the animated version. I don't really... <sighs> Don't don't say I'm that. not saying You're I'm not, not say I'm that. not saying he's not included. I'm not saying he's not included. You've just watched more of the animated stuff than I have. So, um, you know, that's why I kind of don't put him higher up on my list. I, I love Clancy Brown. So it's it's not saying he's not on my list at all. And I could have never seen Cla- her, listen to Clancy Brown as Lex Luthor. And I'd still put him above Jesse Eisenberg. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I. I I loved Spacey as Lex, even though that's not the greatest Superman movie. I still kind of enjoyed Superman Returns. I did too. But, God, Cryer Man, he's... I think I might even put him above Hackman at this point. Like, he is... I think he might be my number one. Hackman was a character of Lex, in my opinion. Like, I really love him. It was, again, you're talking about a movie from the 70s and then the early 80s. So, you're... Our opinions of that are skewed a little bit because it all know, it's it's an amazing, amazing movie. But when you ultimately think of Lex Luthor and the way he functions, Hackman played it up a lot more. You know, it was um, and it, that was fine because it's a great version of Lex that does exist in the world of comics. I felt like John Cryer pulled off um, that version of Lex and a dark and sinister version of Lex where Hackman, we feel like we just got one version consistently and it was it was well done but we saw a very multifaceted version of lex in the show and i think that's why i loved him so much yeah yeah so i you know it's just he you're right we got so many he was a multifaceted lex luther in that he you know he was just he was one of those characters that we loved to hate uh we loved watching that even when he was doing bad things we were like that was awesome you know, the way everything played out. And he was one of those characters. I feel like I'm doing an annual at this point. Uh, oh, yeah, no, I'm like, we're, we're getting into annual territory. Yeah. So we probably have to pull it back Yeah, so I'll, I'll write it back in. We'll talk more about Lex when we get into the Supergirl annual. But um, it's, if you can't tell what I'm already, who I'm already naming is my favorite character of the season. Uh, although Manchester Black is up there, too. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, <laughs> that's why I said it's going to be a really hard one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we find out what is, and I, I use this word loosely, the ultimate fate of Lex because there's kind of a moment at the end of the finale in which we could see him again. Oh, we're definitely going to see him again. <laughs> I, yeah, that's a question. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we're going to see John Cryer again next season. Uh, so. Yeah. Cause we see Lex, uh, uh, Lena has, has taken him out. Like, and I think if anybody had to take out Lex Luthor, I don't think there was any other person that it could have been. Yeah. Uh, he has put her through hell this season. And, and we both called it that the ultimate fate of Lex is going to be hinged on Lena and the last moment he's going to have with her is, is going to be un- unveiling that Kara is Supergirl. Yep. And it, it was everything was correct. Minus the only thing we didn't talk about is him getting shot in the chest three times. Um, but 
again, I, I think <laughs> we we were right on the money all the way through that. Yeah, I mean, he <clears throat> he is the villain, and he and he's dying, but <clears throat> well, he dies actually, but in the end, Lex wins. I mean. You know, yeah. and, and if you think about it, if you think about everything in entirety, and I think one of the brilliant things that I, I discovered uh, that I loved learning about in that he did all of this. And this is what I feel like is true, true to the character of Lex Luthor. He did all of this with Red Daughter and Kaznia and, you know, getting in the White House and destroying Lena's beliefs in people that she can trust. All of it. All of it was for the ultimate purpose of killing Superman. Yep. That it is the brilliance wonderful. of that character. It was, I just want to wipe out Argo City. And that's it. And I love that because it always comes back to Superman. Yes. It's like, the, you know, and that's what made this work so incredibly well. Superman had a presence in this from the very beginning and we didn't know it. Lex had it had it as well, and I love they never even showed Clark, with the exception of Elseworlds. Yeah, you know, we did we did have him we did have him in Elseworlds this year, but his presence was still there because of Lex's hatred for him, and that's what made it special and work, and it never lessened Carr's role in the story. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's that's the beauty of it is that by the end of the finale, when we get that whole discovery, like. Us as viewers, we feel like we've seen the entire plan at this point. We know how Eve played into it. We know how Otis played into it. We know Lex's ultimate plan was to make himself seem like the hero. We as viewers feel like we've seen the entire plan. And then the carpet is ripped right out of us, uh, right A out from under time. us. Yes. <laughs> A second time. In, in that this entire plan was to destroy Argo City and Superman. Yeah. And it was great. It was so great because, again, I love the fact that Again, annual territory. God damn it. I know. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, anyway, I'm just going to stop talking because we we're only one one review in. <laughs> so and it's already we've already been going for close to an hour. So um, but I will say, you know, definitely I, I love, though, that that final moment where you see Red Daughter twist during that fight between, you know, Lex and and Kara and where she sacrifices herself and she kind of ends up getting absorbed uh, by by Kara. Yeah. And kind of giving her a little bit of a boost to end that fight. But I love that moment, that final moment with Lex and Kara where, you know, she's, he's, she's just kind of like, to be saved by a Kryptonian, please. And just kind of drops. And, you know, we see him port to kind of that secret base, you know, where, where Lena is there waiting. Which was just perfect. It was so perfect. Yeah. But there is a big moment that we have to talk about, uh, which is President Tron being removed from the Oval <laughs> Office. Because President Tron sucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which we kind of had a feeling that was going to yes, happen by the end. Right, right. But we do see in these two episodes um, how he, uh, you, know, you know, President Tron ends up getting into the White House. And, and the fact that Lex has been there backing him uh, since the very, very beginning. So we know it goes deep about getting people pushed off the ticket uh, for the vice, vice presidency, all these little pieces. So I thought that was a really, it was nice to see that that little piece tied up as well. But one of those big moments, and we did mention Lena finding out about Kara's identity, which we know is going to have big ramifications for next year. But speaking of big ramifications, we do see Eve Tesbacher rocking a wig, sitting on a bench, which is when she is approached by a woman, um, you know, that's kind of mentions, hey, you know, Leviathan is all around you. You can't run. So that's our little tease that we talked about earlier. 
But ultimately, the big moment, and I will do part of it, and I'll let you handle the other part of it. Uh, well, okay. Uh, Be- before we get into that, um, okay. I want to mention one of the other things that you did call indeed was the Kelly and Alex situation. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We do see them get together by the end, um, and one of the other things, one of the other moments of, from this episode that I really enjoyed, and it was something that we kind of discussed. <clears throat> excuse me. Potentially happening is Colonel Haley being the one apologizing to Supergirl yes. publicly apologizing to Supergirl restoring the country's faith in Supergirl I love the fact that this is a woman who we kind of treated as a villain when we first was introduced to her and we've slowly been coming around to her uh, and by the end literally is the one that's apologizing and re- and restoring the country's faith which I I thought was a beautiful turnaround um, for that character Right, so we'll see the DEO probably as a normal part of the show again next season. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. So it'll be back into where it was most of most of the season, with the exception of the back half. Yes. Um, but like I said, we do see, you know, also uh, another piece to talk about is, you know, we do see Brainiac 5 kind of tell Dreamer that he's in love with her, which I thought was really cool, too. We do get to see that. So love is in the air by the end of the episode. Um, and then we see a portal open at the very last few moments. With a person in a hood come out, and we see Marnevo, the the monitor, kind of greet somebody and says, you know, welcome to Earth. You know, you can kind of exact your revenge. And we see a hood come down, and we see John Jones's brother uh, there to put a stop to something. So I'm really curious to see how that's going to play. Now I'm, but he seems <clears throat> very, very, very angry. I'm curious, though. Is this John Jones's brother from another Earth? Uh, no. From what I understand, and it's been confirmed... This is the his timeline, and this is real. So right. uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that's going to play. They could put pull a twist on it and do that because again, it's monitors crisis. Yeah, well, it's crisis is crisis. They can do anything they want. But right before that moment, and you see, you know, he, you know, John's uh, John's brother pretty much says, you know, kind of says, "Are you coming with me?" He's like, "No, I have another. I have one more stop. To I make have one more stop to make, and and you, I will I will hand the torch over oh, to you. Oh man, talk about that final moment. It was it. His next stop and his final stop is stopping into that secret laboratory where Lex was killed and the body of Lex Luthor is there. And all we see is just him stare at Lex and the camera closes up on Lex and fades to black, which is why you said we are definitely getting John Cryer back in crisis. Yeah, yeah. So Lex will return. Lex will return because DC is not going to let them keep Lex dead. No way. No, never. No way in hell. That's like, hey, we killed Superman, and he's just going to stay dead now. <laughs> and everybody's like, sure, yeah, that's great. It's like, you go along and play with your ball. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not how that works. That's not how that works. Uh, a couple pieces of feedback from the Facebook page. Uh, Michael Franks, I had, I just have to say that John Cryer made this season of Supergirl great. Without John Cryer's portrayal of Lex Luthor, this season would have been a complete dud. I don't agree with that. I think there was this, this season had some other fantastic moments to it. Um, even with Manchester Black before Lex was even brought in, like I, I think this season was good. Uh, but Cryer's portrayal of Lex Luthor single-handedly saved this season. No, I disagree with that again. Uh, and possibly saved the series from cancellation. Wow, Michael, you just did not like Supergirl without John Cryer. Uh, J.M. Winstead, John Cryer's best season, uh, best scenes yet. Coldest Lex Luthor I have ever seen. Uh, Shad uh, decided to sing I Did It My Way, uh, just in words. Uh, and seriously, how many shows can pull off starting with Sinatra and hitting the climax with Motley Crue? Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Kaylee Burgos. Uh, I hope Lena doesn't turn evil. I love her and I like her with James. So a lot of people just fans of of Lex, man. And I'm completely with that. Cryer did amazing this season. Indeed, indeed. I can't wait to see more. We spent a lot of time on Supergirl. <laughs> Hey, you know what? I think it was the one that really is going to deserve it. But we also just talked about two episodes right there, though, too. That's so. true. Uh, and we're going to do it again with uh, Legends of Tomorrow. That uh, one will be much shorter, though, I think. I think so. Uh, season four, episode 15, Terms of Service, uh, the penultimate. And season four, episode 16, the finale. Hey, world. Uh, first off, Sarah and Ava concoct a, a bold plan to take back the Time Bureau. Zari and Charlie must work together to discover what Neron is planning. Constantine is given a tough choice on who to save from hell. And in the finale, Hey World, Sarah and Ava concoct a bold... That's the same damn synopsis. Uh, so, all right. So they just copied and pasted the synopsis for both of them. Indeed. So where... Hmm. Where to begin on this one? Because I think John, John Constantine's story, I think, makes the most sense because that kind of sets up where everything gets to. Yeah. And and in the penultimate, one of the things that I absolutely loved about this penultimate and, and John's character in particular is there are a lot of people who were disappointed that the Constantine series got canceled. I was one of them because I thought it was great. Um, and there was always that lingering element of the series uh, of with the character Astra. And that was really the big conflict in John's head, you know, going through that entire first season of that series. And even into this series, they made mention of it. And I love the fact that that kind of crossed that bridge, brought it over to this one. And they gave us a, they gave us a, well, not a conclusion to it because there was a continuation, but they did make sure that it's going to have ramifications for John consistently which is great and I really love that they weren't afraid to do that and the one thing that it pretty much confirms john's going to be part of this series in the future this yeah, is not yeah. just the only time we're seeing him he is going to continue to be a big part of this series going into next season i agree um he has to be i mean it's at, it's they've pretty much set up astra as the big bad for next season well yeah, I think I think it's safe to say she is probably the big bad for next season. We're we're going to get a whole new cast of characters next season because of her, uh, in like Genghis Khan and Caliglia, Caliglia and, and Stalin, and two, <laughs> which is going to be fantastic. Well, you know we're going to get an episode next year of like, should we go back and kill Hitler? You know, you know that's <laughs> you know that's going to happen next year. Yeah, um, which of course it is because it's legends. They have to do that. So, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so let's talk. I mean, uh, I'll let you kind of take the lead on that. What else about okay. John's um, storyline well, was great? Well, I'm, again, these are going to blend the two episodes together because I, I'm having a hard split because I've watched them back to back. So it's going to bleed all over the place. So I can't really do it for one episode or the other, but I think that it's, it's OK. So, I, you know, obviously, I think John's time in hell, I thought they did a really good job, especially if you don't remember Constantine, because it was a good number of years ago. But we got to see the different versions of, of basically the devil that exist. And they kind of introduced on how they work and function and how hell is going to function. And I thought that was really smartly done because it got you in the groove of how that whole piece works. But in addition to that, though, again, as you mentioned, the bringing up the Aster angle and giving John some closure from his series. And they did it well. I think that was really, really smart as they were working on their way to save Ray. I think all of those pieces were exactly the and functioned exactly the way that they needed to. So I was really happy to see that that play. But 
At the same time, we also had another character that was drug into that for the finale that was there with John and kind of became his guiding light to get through it all, which was Nora. Uh, because Nora goes through a dramatic character. Yes, she does. Two episodes too, <laughs> uh, where we see Gary again, still kind of under the the hope of the his of the evil fairy, uh, you know, evil fairy Tabitha, uh, his fairy godmother, and Neron, kind of like, well, fine, I'm going to take over the time bureau because nobody appreciates me. And I really like the fact that the little guy got to actually be really a member of the team by the end. And it was really cool to see that moment finally pay off for him because Gary has been in like such a he's been the butt of a joke for so long. And I love the fact that they weren't afraid to play with that. And they made him a really fun character uh, and a better character in the process of these final two episodes. And I don't really think he's done being the butt of the joke. I just oh, think no, he's part of the team now. He's just part of the team. It's 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 it's, it's that fr- friendly ribbing that you do with your best friends. That like it's not meant to be mean or malicious. It's just hey, it's like we're f- we're family, and if I go too far, just say the word, and I'll give you a hug and say I'm sorry. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 that's where he ends up, and I'm really happy to see that. But in the course of all this, though, Tabitha tricks Nora into be uh, taking her powers. And said, hey, you can uh, do this and uh, save uh, save your friend. Go ahead. You know, it, it's basically unlimited cosmic power. But <laughs> super poofy living space. dresses. Yeah, well, super exactly. Poofy, super, super poofy dresses. Oh, and by the way, you're now um, Gary's fairy godmother. And it's just kind of like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, which, so, but, the, but the fact that she goes from this hardcore evil like kind of witch from last season to a Disney a Disney character, essentially, yeah. <laughs> which was amazing. But watching her with John in hell, still in the bright blue poofy dress with taffeta all over the place was way too fun i it was super goofy i have to say to uh nora contributed to my absolute favorite moment of these two episodes uh it is a moment that no lie the first time i watched it i don't even know why it was as funny as it was the first time I watched it, dude, I lost it. I was hysterical that I to the point where I rewound it three or four times just to see if it was as funny as I thought it was. And I laughed just as hard. It's such a, it's such a quick moment, but it's in the penultimate episode when Gary after John is in hell, Gary calls upon fairy godmother to help John in hell. And Nora, Nora pops up, and it's the first time the team sees Nora as the fairy godmother. And then we see her, like, get sucked into the portal, and she's just like, Gary, you dick. Yeah. Like, Dude, <laughs> I don't know why it was as funny as it was. Oh, I, I cracked up. I it was, was so cracking crazy. up just at the way that entire scene played out and just her delivery of that line. Dude, I lost it. I was hysterical. It, it was it was wonderful. It, it played so, so funny. Uh, you're right, because that whole sequence with Gary that's tormenting the team was <laughs> was so funny. And Nate, Nate with the braces and like the, you know, like the mullet hair and all it was just all it was just too funny. Like, I just I just I just thought it was wonderful. But like I said, Gary's story, they did a great job with this year. And I, I think they had a lot of fun. Nora, again, is stays a fairy godmother by the end of the uh, by the end of the season and still is the fairy godmother of Gary. You know, it's it's interesting on how it's all going to play. Well, we get a couple uh, of big changes to the team by the end of do. the by the we end do. of the uh, season finale. Well, there's a very big change that happens, but before we get to that yeah. point, we have to get to the fact that they do indeed get uh raise soul coin uh down in hell, which was I think that was kind of fun on the way to do it, but they did come to the realization that the only way to get that back into Ray's body is um 
basically the whole reason and the whole whole kind of exchange has to be null and void. And the only way to do that would be for Neron to kill Nate. Because that's why the deal was made. It said if you as long as you don't kill my friend, you're allowed to take control of my body. So we see that it be kind of the big catalyst that's being set up consistently throughout all of the last remaining parts of the episode. Uh, but when they do indeed find Ray to get his coin, we have the best moment that I think Legends has almost ever had when we see Casper Crump return as Vandal Savage <laughs> as Ray's torturer in hell. But instead of torturing, they become best friends and are playing giant Jenga. <laughs> and it was amazing. That even in hell, Ray can make friends. And that's like, it's such a great well, like, thing to say about his character. I love I it. Love, I love the fact that this is the second time now we've seen Ray make a bad guy just be like, you're a really decent dude. Because <laughs> like we saw that with him with Damien Dark last year. Yeah, that's <laughs> was right. That's and right. I want this to be, I, he needs to go for the hat trick. I want him to be friend yet again, another villain next year. It has to happen. God, he's going to, he's going to be friends with Hitler. Oh my God. Please, <laughs> I need a moment. That's just, just, just way too ridiculous again. Well, I'm, I'm not afraid of it. That'll definitely happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's legends of tomorrow. It'll definitely happen. Yeah. Uh, but I love the fact of the way that that played because it was a moment that no one saw coming. And when he turned around, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. But it was just he, the way that it was played and the way that Casper Crump played it was he was so overly happy and that it was so creepy that it worked just perfect. It was so perfect. Uh, I was in stitches from that moment for at least five minutes straight. I yeah. could not stop. I laughed probably as hard as I did when we got Super Bebo last year. So, uh, but yeah, super excited to see you know, the fact that they they had so much fun with a character that so many people hated, and they know it. And they were like, you know what, we're going to turn it on its head and just have fun. So yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, you know, like I said, they they do get back. We have the legends. We're like, well, we've got to find a way to make these magical creatures. Um, kind of changed things. So they said, if we make the world love them, well, the best way to do it is let's finish Hayworld. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Mick still has, you know, the secret, uh, the, that secret book that allows anything written can come true because Buck and uh, what's her name? Ah, uh, his oh. three, three-breasted warrior. I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember her name either. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but Buck's sexual adventures need to continue. So, of course, Mick still has his diary. <laughs> so, uh, but we see Nate create Hayworld. And what better way to promote all of these magical creatures than with the holy trinity of the Arrowverse? So we do see that wonderful scene from the mid-season uh, mid premiere of Sarah dressed as Supergirl. We see <laughs> Gary dressed as the Flash. And, of course, Nate dressed as Arrow, which was wonderful as they shoot a mock commercial. Uh, which was just wonderful, but I loved watching the whole circus scene kind of play out. Uh, and it was a season that started with them talking about, oh, I just want to fight a dragon. And we got a season where they ended up fighting. A dragon. <laughs> yes, they did. So I'll let you jump in from there because this is, uh, we're getting into Tom Wilson territory. Yeah. And, and I mentioned that earlier too, at the top of the conversation, how it was great seeing Tom Wilson return. And, uh, you know, I was, I was disappointed that we saw him, uh, you know, killed off, but, I love the fact that this season that started so chaotic ended on such a sweet note. Um, you know, there I think there was a little bit of a joke earlier on in the episode that at least there's no musical number. And then that's exactly how the episode ends with well, the big musical too, number. 
Nora kind of looking over, like, did we do this last year? I'm like, eh. <laughs> and right. like Sarah, Sarah shrugging her shoulders, just kind of like, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, um, I mean, you know, throughout the entire episode, we see the fact that Tabitha's staff is kind of fed on fear, and that's what she's kind of absorbing for people. So after Nate makes the sacrifice to release Ray from Neuron, or to release Neuron from Ray, rather, um, you know, they kind of get into this discovery that with the singing of this James Taylor song, it's kind of reminiscent, kind of to the end of. Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, kind of. Uh, you not, know, not a lie. In, in how the music potentially like sends good vibes instead of bad vibes. Uh, it's very reminiscent of Ghostbusters 2, actually. Uh, instead of James Brown, it's James Taylor. So uh, it, it's such a... I love that we get that closure moment with Nate and Hank. Just yeah, kind of hanging really, out in the rafters and talking was, about it. It was a really beautiful, touching scene, and it was just that like, like they're singing that for you. Uh, he's like, he's like, you know, he's like, you know, I, and it was just kind of like, I know, I already always knew everything was going to be okay because I had faith in you, son. And it was that beautiful, really touching moment, and I, I really think they did a great job with that father-son dynamic this year. Well, because um, with with Nate with Hank being killed by Neuron, like, you, and then Nate discovering everything afterwards, Nate never had any closure on that relationship with his father. So this moment gave us that closure that Nate needed. And I think Nate needed that in order to move forward so that Nick Zano can portray Nate as the character that we know Nate to be. Right. With and this, I think... Yeah, with this hanging over him, it, it Nate would have never been back to normal. And this needed right. to be done. Right. <clears throat> and you know what? I, I think one of the other things that was really – we have to mention here obviously is – with this plan, and they know that if they succeed and make everybody okay with magical creatures, that the timeline changes. That means metas are not hunted down by Argus and all these things, and they know that this is going to have a ripple. Which means Zari is screwed if she doesn't stay. Uh, if she doesn't, if she leaves the temporal zone while this is taking place, her she does not exist. Very similar to another character we're going to talk about in another finale in a few moments. Um, that because the timelines change. Things are not exactly all the where they're supposed to be. And, of course, the death of Nate causes her to come rushing to his aid to make sure that everything is okay, to say goodbye. All these little pieces, knowing full well that she's going to be wiped away from history. Uh, you see this beautiful moment, though, too, with that James Taylor song kind of bringing Nate back to life. Uh, I almost kind of expected if it wasn't a James Taylor song, it was going to be because this was about fairy tales and such that True Love's first kiss would have woke him up to. <laughs> that thought, that would have been great. I thought I thought that could have worked here as well. Yeah. And that would have played in a legend's way just right. Um, but I think what they did here was really cool. It was very touching. And all of a sudden, everything's fine. Nate wakes up and then Bayar is there and just kind of lifts his friend up off the ground like nothing ever happened. And it's Zari's brother because, of course, it's Zari's brother now. Yeah. Because he's a, he's the legend. He never lost the totem. Of course he would have joined the legends. And all of them just were like, yep, that's normal. Yeah. And I love the way that they played it. They played it so perfectly because they played it in a way that nobody thought twice that Zari never existed. And it just all just fused perfectly. And I love the fact that it gives us this interesting twisted angle again for next year because we know the timeline is jacked to hell because who was in the stands chowing down on popcorn, but Hardevo <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like, no, 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 go on. Let's see where this is going to go. He, well, I mean, he knew like he didn't have to do any like with with like with the Arrowverse on Earth one, he had to put the play in motion on super, you know, on Earth 
whatever Earth Supergirl is on. Um, he kind of had to bring John's brother in to kind of put the play in motion. With Legends, he like you said, he just sat there and watched and ate popcorn because they put the motion, they put the actions in motion themselves. He doesn't have to do anything. Yeah. And it was just fun just watching him in the stands. It's like, really? He's just going to chow down on popcorn and watch this shit show go down, which like, I'm like, this is brilliant. Yep. This is just, this is awesome. Yep. I'm just going to sit like, back and watch. Yeah. Uh, but it makes you know that we definitely have not seen the end of Zark. No. Uh, because all of these timeline pieces that are so horribly skewed are all going to factor so heavily into Crisis next year. Yeah. And that's why we're going to see Lex. We'll see Zari. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see XS. All these characters are going to probably have a very large importance still yet to come. Um, and that makes me excited. It makes me incredibly, incredibly excited. Yeah. If, if anybody is watching these seasons and doesn't think that the way these seasons played out this year has anything to do with Crisis, you're out of your mind. There's, they know, they've known for a while that crisis was going to be happening next season. And I would not be surprised if we see some things happen during crisis that will be like, oh yeah, like now that makes sense. They've laid out the groundwork for crisis already. And uh, I can't wait. I think we're going to see some characters we haven't seen in a very long time. Oh, I do too. Hell, we got, we got Vandal Savage this week. I wouldn't be surprised if we see one Ronnie Raymond return. I I wouldn't be surprised, yeah, if we got like our original Firestorm comeback. Uh yeah, I I I think we're gonna see probably everybody that's ever been a part of this universe from start to finish all be a part of Crisis. With with the exemption of Felicity. Uh, because, no, she has already pretty much said that I don't feel the need after her character's rap. I don't really feel the need to bring her back. Yeah, I, I still think so, she's gonna appear in the final episode of Era. So, but we'll we'll see. I, um. Yeah, we'll see. Before I get into the feedback, before I read the quick feedback, um, I have a question for you on something that happened in this episode. I'm just very curious of your opinion. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I'm just, again, curious of your opinion. Sure. We see that that moment with John Constantine in hell where he kind of has to make the choice over whose soul to take. Uh, and that being Astra's or Ray's. And he chooses Astra. Uh, do you think John was wrong in that decision? Um. Uh- well, yeah, because we love Ray and we're not as attached to Astra. But I mean, that was his biggest failure. I think he went. He, I, I, John is a complex character, yeah. and I think really the biggest problem is ultimately, yes, it was the wrong decision because he went into hell to save Ray and came out not accomplishing his goal. So there's going to be guilt there, but also it, it made him more human. Um, you know, it's instead of just kind of like he's the DC Sorcerer Supreme, essentially. You know, um, it, they. He's John is such a flawed character, and that flaw showed through. But it was also what I would have believed John to do, and I think that's that's the best answer I can give you. Okay, he should have saved Ray. He knows he should have saved Ray, but he's also a person that's a little self-absorbed and is ultimately has a lot of demons and ghosts, uh, figurative and literal, <laughs> you know, to deal with. And Astra is the biggest one carrying over from his own show. So it made the most sense to add a wrinkle to his character, but it also adds a new dynamic to Ray in him for next season because he still ultimately did everything in his power to save Ray in the end. So I think because it's Ray, Ray will forgive him. Um, you know, there's going to be some issues there, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing what that adds to him as a character next year. Okay. All right. I was just curious as to what your take on that was. 
Sure, so, totally. Uh, just a couple pieces of feedback. Our buddy Shad says, I didn't realize this until just now, but they never returned Nora to normal after she became Carrie's fairy godmother. Uh, so, yeah, so we're definitely going to explore that a little bit Um you know, going into next season. Uh, and then another piece of feedback from Michael Franks. And I just have to say, again, uh, sort of disagree with this, but uh, this was a pretty good season of DC's Legends of Tomorrow. I can't wait to see what's in store for next season. I hope the season gets back to the stuff they that made this such a great show. Uh, my favorite season is still the very first season. Season one was absolutely epic. And that is what Legends needs to get back to, the things that made season one so special. Um, well, you know what? Let's... I, we understand that. Let's break that down at the annual because I have a lot of thoughts and some of them actually mirror that a little bit. Okay. So I just, I still think that this was an absolutely amazing season. Uh, oh, it was a Legends. great season. It was a great season, but my review of the season may be dramatically different than yours. Okay. So. All right. We will find out then when we get to the annual in a couple weeks. Sure. All right. Uh, no more two episodes now. Now it's straight to finales. Uh, and we're going to go with Arrow, Season 7, Episode 22, You Have Saved This City. Uh, the battle between Oliver and Emiko comes to a boiling point, which brings back some familiar faces and leaves others in dire jeopardy. Uh, James Bamford directed the episode, which, uh, again, when it comes to episodes with a lot of fight scenes, he's the man. He he pulls it off, and that's why I'm always excited to see that when that happens. Um but yeah, so let's kind of jump into this a little bit. I really don't feel like here. Okay, so here's the reason why I gave this a, a higher rating than you did. And okay. I kind of looked at it. I kind of looked at it as a series finale, not a season finale. And I think uh, that's okay. kind of a way you needed to go about it. I did. Uh, okay. That's, <laughs> that's the problem. I think for me. <laughs> well, and here's my thing. Okay. So if I had to split the rating on this, <clears throat> the first half of the episode, sidekick. I didn't care. I really didn't care. The second half of the episode, wrapping up the story, I gave a legend. I thought was very well done, including the lead up to Crisis next season. When it came to the whole Oliver and Emiko stuff, I've lost interest. I've completely lost interest. Um, and the fact that Emiko's character was killed off by the end, okay, I have no emotion over that. Um, and this is why I was kind of the mid to high hero. I was kind of drawn in between the both. Um, I had two different parts of the episodes kind of pulling me in two separate directions, and I just ended up right in the middle. Uh, I liked everything that they did to wrap up the story. And I feel like that if there was no episode next, if there was no episodes next season, they could have gotten away with it. This was a good way to end the series. You could still bring the characters into crisis next year without doing 10 episodes of a show. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I, I fully agree with you. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, you, you, I, I really don't know what else ahead. to say about that. I mean, no, I, again, like, fair. you know, I, I liked the wrap up to the stories and I, I don't completely understand Felicity's, but like, did, I, did she go to heaven to be with Oliver? <laughs> like, I, I don't completely understand that. I, we're not going to understand it. I think until after crisis fully ends, it's kind of where did she go, but we'll get that answer. I think that, I think that's where we will see them in the, very final episode. I feel like because this is going to be a short discussion. I really do. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I do too. I, I'll put it this way. The reason why I was originally, again, sidekick before the Guggenheim, um, you know, <laughs> before the Guggenheim curve um, is this. I You had a episode still that was focusing on Emiko in the Ninth Circle. Um, Emiko was always probably one of the absolute worst villains the show has ever, ever done. And you still had to get through that arc. So they do succeed in finishing that up by having her die. But then they just bring in like these ra- like they have her like random sidekick vil- villain dude, the Irish guy that I can't tell if he's actually Irish or just has the worst Irish accent I've probably <laughs> ever heard on television. But it was terrible. Like it sounded like a six year old trying to be imposing. And then you brought in this random other female villain at the end to kill Emiko that we've never seen before that we're meant to feel like she has all of this weight to her. But what was funny about it, and it made me laugh out loud. Uh, and again, I hate to do this because I don't like to be mean to people about anything, but it was it was the wrong casting choice, in my opinion, because I, I, I know I've seen the actress before, but she kind of has like um, a bit of a slur when she talks. So you have Irish accent guy who sounds like a six year old and a woman that has got this kind of like there's a light speech impediment there trying to come off as these imposing forces. And I'm like, I can't take this seriously. I really, <laughs> really can't. And I, I, I started busting up laughing and I'm like, this is just not good. What are, what are you guys doing? And again, I really don't want that to be a dig at the actors at all. I just really think that it wasn't well formulated and it didn't play. It didn't play at all because they were so, it was done so dramatically and overly dramatic that I'm like, this, this is, this, this was a mistake. <laughs> it's like, what have we done? And that was that moment for me. And but like they killed Emiko, I'm like, well, at least I don't have to deal with her anymore. And that was a positive in my opinion. But it was for me, it was you have these two people we know nothing about that are saying they're these massive, massive big bads. The Ninth Circle will never stop. And in my opinion, sure, you can say it all the hell you want. For me, that's the reason Oliver and Felicity disappear into hiding. Not Damien Dark, not. Slade, not all of these people that were these formidable, terrifying things. The League of Assassins, the Ninth Circle, these two people that we've never met before, all of a sudden have so much weight that they just go, all right, we have to disappear. It's our time. Yeah. And I, I, that was that was the biggest problem for me in this. That I was like, all of this is no longer works. Like, because they had never built the Ninth Circle up to be this terrifying presence. They kept saying they were, but they never showed us why they were. Because they said Dante is the worst evil ever. Dante was in like two and a half episodes total and was killed. Emiko was this know-nothing character all season long who runs the Ninth Circle, who was just blinked out essentially from this no no nobody character we've never met who has one scene in this entire season. And we're meant to believe that she is the worst of the worst of the worst. And it's just – it doesn't hold true. And that's why this – this finale, I think, was so flawed because they tried to wrap up something and create another plot thread that is never going to go anywhere. And it doesn't make sense. It was very sloppily written. Um, and then you have the Return of the King six ending sequence that happens <laughs> for the final 16 minutes of the, the show. I actually went back and watched it like two or three times because I needed to try to put the fan brain on and I actually was able to for a little bit because there was a couple of really great sequences that I really liked. You know, I thought like the handoff to the team said, Hey, look guys, go ahead and 
you know, this, you should run this, yeah, you know, the city's in good hands. Uh, Oliver finally being able to let go. And it's true. It's true. You're right. This was a, like a, a, a serious finale because it was something that Oliver struggled with so bad last year where he couldn't get, give the hood to John. Yeah. All these little pieces finally happened, essentially. You know, he's, you know, obviously John's still Spartan, all this jazz, but, you know, the, all of the damage done from last year was finally put aside. They said, you guys have this. Thank you guys so much for doing what you've done. Um, and they, they tied the bow on things and I'm like, cool, you know what? That was, that was handled well. And then it was like, let's say goodbye to the arrow cave now. I'm like, okay, let's say goodbye to this team member that we've already said goodbye to three times. So let's go <laughs> now. Now let's do a weird jump cut to the woods again. And then now let's do another jump cut. And it was like one after the other, after the other, after the other, like, I think they said goodbye to John four times in this, this finale. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Um, and it just confused me. It was there were so many well written sequences edited together in the worst humanly possible way, and I think that was my problem. It's not that the scenes were written poorly; it, they were edited very badly, um, and the stuff that happened beforehand just didn't have weight that got them to that point. So I think that's where this really, really faltered. I think out of all of Arrow's season finales, this was by far the worst in my opinion. Okay, um, but. There were some beautiful touching moments that I think that, uh, again, the Guggenheim curve kind of pushes it back up. I, I, I still would put it in hero territory because you're right. There were some really, really good moments that do save it. And the excitement for what could come for next year is really big and bombastic. And I really enjoy that. There's a big problem that, that then knocked the score back down was, ah, crap. They set up another arc for the future. And I don't want that next year. I really don't want that. And we know we're going to get it. Uh, they've already confirmed, and Beth Schwartz has confirmed that the Star City 2040 crap will continue because we never even got where the handoff happens for Bronze Tiger's son. Bronze Tiger didn't die in this finale like we expected. I know he should have, he should have which means there's a plot thread that's still all the, all the way open. Um, so that needs to be addressed now. You have the talk about the Ninth Circle being this huge big bad that Team Arrow is going to take care of, and we know has got some involvement in the future story arc. Because Felicity's like, well, you guys got this. Don't worry. We just want to make sure we have the tool. You have the tools to complete the mission. So, like, none of this is done. So, regardless of what we do next year, we're still left with a lot of kind of dead weight from this year that has to be resolved in ten episodes next year. So, regardless of even if it's now the Monitor and Oliver going to different Earths and Oliver essentially becoming Harbinger, uh, which would be really cool, or not Harbinger, Pariah. Um, which would be an amazing idea. I think if they do that, wow. pull that off. I never even thought about that. Well, essentially because he has to go with Marnevaux at the end of this and said, you have to go to the other worlds and help bring bring this message to make sure we can save these Earths. So that means he is Pariah. He, they made Oliver Pariah. And I'm like, this was brilliant. And I was like, okay, it gets another point up. <laughs> I'm cool with this idea. But again, it's that dead weight that has to follow. So you're going to get these moments where they maybe will go to other Earths. Or we're going to be dealing with Star City 2040 the entire time and getting little pieces of that instead. So I, I'm, I'm, I have concern for next year because they didn't just put the bow on some things that really they should have just got stopped. Um, and I think that's the problem. It's The excitement for the future is really, really high for me. It, it makes me pumped for what these 10 episodes could be. But at the same time, I'm a little worried because of what's still there that has to be resolved. Yeah. So Because it was stuff they could have easily done here instead of trying to create new plot threads. Well, like I, like I think that was the problem. Well, like I said, after watching this finale and the way they wrapped it up with Oliver and the Monitor and, and everything, and basically, like you said, making him pariah, in my opinion, you're right. I don't think they need any of the future 
the future stuff. I don't think they need it. And 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 in my opinion, now after watching this, I have a feeling that these next ten episodes are going to be the future is going to be the present day, and everything with Oliver and the monitor is going to be flashbacks, and you know, yes. to setting up crisis. In my opinion, you could have done those flashbacks inserted them into a couple other episodes, like made them post-credit scenes of a couple episodes leading up to Crisis of these other shows and never even done these 10 episodes, these 10 episodes for next season. You, well, you like don't said, even I, need them. San Diego Comic-Con, I'm sure we're going to get our answers on what that season's going to be. Um, and I think we'll know more and more and more as we get close to it. They have an opportunity to do something really amazing. I'm a little worried that they won't pull it off. Um, I, the, there was too much cool ideas thrown at the wall and a lot of them in your brain stick, which means it's probably not going to play out the way, way that we hope we want it to. But um, my big concern is as long as next year is not Star City 2040, whatever, uh, running through the majority of the 10 episodes with, as you put it, that was my concern as well, that the, the Oliver stuff with the monitor building up to crisis is going to be these little flashback sequences uh, like we've had in the past. Um with a 2040 present because if that's the case oh god i'm not looking forward to next oh dude year. i'm uh, telling you right now if that's the yeah. case and next season is 24 is star city 2040 with this the oliver playing a small part in it with like flashbacks to crisis we're not covering arrow next year we will watch arrow purely <laughs> for those i'm being serious i'm being <clears throat> excuse me dead serious if if that is the case we'll watch arrow for those little crisis moments and that's all we're covering Okay. Uh, that, I'm good with that. I, I don't I'm, because I don't feel like we need ten episodes of, tw- of Star City 2040 because what's it going to lead up to? Right. That's I, that's what I don't get. So I mean, if that is the case, we're not. We'll cover the Oliver Monitor moments, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, but I mean, like this. Uh, so I mean, I, I'm hoping I got my point across as far you as did. where I fell. Like, and again, I, I don't. I don't think this was me being mean or brutal or anything to it. I think it was um, generally. And a fan, I really was able to put the fan fan mode on for this for this one. But I think a lot of things, uh, there was a lot of wasted time and a lot of mistakes made. Uh, but I, at the same time, though, too, a lot of really great moments, um, which was cool. I was I loved seeing too, and I got to say, it was great to see uh, Dinah dressed or not Dinah, uh, Laurel uh, decked out as uh, Black Canary, yeah, like Black Canary, Black Canary, which was cool as hell to see that as well. But I, they they had a lot of fun moments. The goodbyes to the characters were all written incredibly well. They did a really actually very sweet send off for Felicity. And I think uh, Emily really deserved, uh, you know, some praise on, you know, everything she's brought to the show for a long time, whether we enjoyed it or not. She was a catalyst of why the show became so big and why we have an Arrowverse. So giant kudos to her. I think she got a beautiful send off for her character, uh, whether you agree with it or not. I think they still she really deserve that and i think uh they, they they really made sure that it played well and it played beautiful so no and i agree with that <clears throat> excuse me and one of the other things I, I just wanted to say about it before we moved on is the fact that you know one of the things that i really did like about this character or really liked about this episode and i took away from it which put it a little bit higher up is there are certain moments towards the end of the episode when they're saying all those goodbyes, uh, you know, and you see Oliver crying because he's saying goodbye to the team and everything. There's a lot of real emotion in those scenes. Like, he's not just saying goodbye. This is not just Oliver saying goodbye to John and to um, um, and to, to Roy and all these characters. He's legitimately saying goodbye to a character that he has portrayed for seven years. Yeah. 
Um, because I have a feeling whatever these this that we're getting next year um, is basically going to be Stephen and La Monica. I don't really think uh, David Ramsey is going to play a bigger part into this. I think a lot of these characters that we see him saying goodbye to, we're probably not going to see again until Crisis, until yeah, Crisis I mean, I, itself. Right. We're gonna we're gonna see some big moments with some of these characters, but again, it's the future's not written yet, so <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, we'll really see what happens. But again, like I said, it was a poor finale to a poor season, but it had definitely had some good highlights. Yeah. Had some really, really good highlights. And like I said, I'm looking forward to actually talking about the season a lot more in the annual because I think there was some some of the most amazing things we've ever seen in Arrow or all across this season. Um, it's just unfortunately stitched together by a very poor story. Agreed. So. Agreed. Uh, just a couple pieces of feedback on the Facebook page. Billy Taylor, holy moly, that last 10 minutes was amazing. Uh, I was already hyped for Crisis on Infinite Earths, but seeing the monitor again multiplied that feeling tenfold. And where did Felicity go at the end? I need to know. Uh, it's obviously to reunite with Oliver after all those years apart. But where? That's my question, too, Billy. Trust me. Uh, these next few months are going to crawl by until we get to see the rest of the story. I'm going to call it now. They went to the white space. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> As long as they flex the right muscle. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, God, man. Seriously. I can't wait to talk about Doom Patrol. I can't wait to talk about it, too. Uh, Joseph Alonzo, new show with Oliver Kids. With Oliver Kids, can't wait. And a chance Felicity and Oliver can come back in the future. Uh, Shad Welsh, uh, our buddy Shad. Well, I definitely give the last 15 minutes a legend. The rest of the episode was okay at best. But it really feels like they just introduced a brand new villain that they're not going to do anything with. That's pretty much hey. what you said. <laughs> yep. Because I, I haven't been on the Facebook page that much this past two weeks because of this life. But, yeah, <laughs> I'm at least I'm not alone. Um, yeah. Yep. Cool. That was pretty much it. All right. One more show to talk about, and that is The Flash season finale, season five, episode 22, Legacy. Barry faces off with his oldest and most formidable nemesis, Reverse Flash. Um, where to start on this one? Um, we'll leave the end. We'll leave that particular character saying goodbye to the end. Uh, but I feel like there's a little bit of closure with a couple different things. You, you kind of talked a little bit about how, you know, the Flash kind of started dipping into that dark territory as well. And as much as it pains me to say it, when you focus on seasons that surround family, family can tend to be a dark topic uh, when it comes to certain things. <clears throat> and this season certainly showed that. Uh, you know, family was a big, fo family has always been a big focus of the flash, but this season more so than ever with the introduction of, uh, of XS and, and Nora. And this season definitely went dark at some moments. We saw Nora tap into some evil energy. Uh, you know, so it's, I feel like there's been some closure and I feel like that by the end of this finale, we've kind of grounded the show a little bit. Uh, we don't have, I, we, I don't really think we got an introduction or a tease to a big bad of next season, unless it's, Eobard. no, 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 we really didn't get big. The biggest tease we got next year was really is actually the one that I'm the most excited about. And that is <laughs> that file folder yes. that Ralph picks up at the very end. And I, my heart, the sun, and I'm like, and we saw that little file folder that's a Dearborn and I'm like, oh, Sue Dibney's coming in soon. 
I'm so excited to see that. Uh, you know what? Ralph has been a character I have absolutely grown to adore throughout the course I of this too. series. Uh, yeah. You know, the two seasons that we've gotten him. And the fact that I saw that file folder made me excited for two reasons. I saw Dearborn, and like you, I was excited. Yes, Sue Dibney is coming into the show next season, but it also means Ralph is sticking around. Because uh, yeah. they're not going to give us that tease if Ralph's not going to be a part of it. Right. And you know what? One of the other great things, too, and I will we'll get into this. This season this season ended in a, such a beautiful transition point for so many characters. Like, Caitlin is a very confident character, again. Like, she's back to what she used to be. But the Killer Frost part, like, the, the fight between the two of them feels like it's really well resolved at this point. Yeah. Like, we, we have a character that is solidified now which is great i'm really happy about that because like she was in really rough flux for the last two years uh and it felt like they didn't know what to do with her but by the end of it i feel like we finally have the caitlin that we knew that just has that extra level to her now uh that's built up um cisco is going back to kind of being the cisco that we knew at the beginning which is really kind of cool to know like we're going back to this smart quick-witted thinking Cisco versus one that's struggling emotionally. And we see him kind of walking down the street with you know, Camilla, just very positive and upbeat. And it feels like we're going to get back to that Cisco that we miss. Um, you know, we have a version of Ralph where it's as even as Sherlock says is uh, he, he, instead of baby giraffe, he calls him a adult giraffe when he leaves. <laughs> and we have a very confident, we have a very confident, intelligent Ralph. He was the one that put all of this together at the very end. This is kind of like, this is what happens. This is why this happens. And he was the one that was like, no, it is everything that's going on right now is because of what Eobard's trying to do to us. And it was the fact that somebody that struggled to understand the world around him for so long since he's been introduced was the one that came out on top. And I loved watching him finally evolve into the master detective that we know of him in the comics. And we got that tease that that's the next piece to his character. Well, I loved, and I'm I loved really beautifully excited to see that. And I loved the fact too, that uh, Sherlock was actually the kind of the one that passed the torch to Ralph before he left. Yeah. You know, when he left, he, when, you know, when he leaves, he says, you know, I don't remember the exact words, but he basically in so many words tells the team, like you already have an amazing detective with you. You know, yeah. and passing that torch over to Ralph, which I feel like was such a great and touching yeah. moment for oh, that yeah, character. No, the, the line, the line exactly was because I actually just watched it again yesterday because okay. I was like, I love the show. He was like, he's like, you already have a master detective, and it's, then it was this goodbye, adult yeah. and then he kind of passed him <laughs> on the arm, and walks into the portal. I mean, it was such uh, it was such a great wrap up to to the Sherlock character as well, right? Uh, you know, um, leaving to go yeah. um, be with Renee, be with Renee, you know, yeah. Back yeah, I, but you know what? One of the other moments that I really loved, though, too, was it's a small character change for somebody else, which I was really – it was awesome to see. Captain Singh is no longer Captain – oh, you know, or, you know, he's now Chief of Police Singh, and Joe West is going to be now our our new captain. Which, and I loved seeing that. We knew it was coming. Yeah. We absolutely knew it was coming. But I loved seeing that moment, but the reason why it was so beautiful oh, was yeah. that moment – that you have Singh walking out of the office, looking at Barry, and he's like, thanks for everything, Flash. Yes. And then it was just looking back, and he's like, what? You have to remember, I used to be a detective. <laughs> Dude, that moment, I... But it was a really beautifully done moment. I, like, it was... I, I loved that so much. I wasn't surprised one bit that Singh knew he was the Flash. But you're right. The way that moment was formatted and the way that moment played out, you know, when he says to Joe, like, you'll always have help. Isn't that right, Flash? 
Yeah. And he says that to Barry, and Barry's like, uh, and he's like, uh, yeah, I used to be a detective. Like, but there was so much heart to that to the words. Like, and it's kind of it makes you think is like, how long has Singh known? And it's probably been a very it's long been time. a while. Yeah. Uh, but like it, it, you know, it had this. There was this beautiful kind of like Commissioner Gordon kind of Batman moment there, in a way, but not. Not really, because again, it's that's a very love hate relationship to the comic <laughs> books. But like, you saw how much respect in that moment Singh really had for Barry, uh, and it, even though it was this kind of a throwaway, kind of humorous line, there was so much heart behind it in the delivery, and I was really thought it was very, very touching. Well, I mean, I, it, I really love. And you moment. bring up the question: How long has Singh known? Um, I I'm pretty sure he's known for a while because the number of times Barry has been late to scenes. Uh, and late to work. If Barry was anybody other than the Flash, he would have been fired. Yeah. Singh has known for a while Barry was the Flash, and the fact that he supported him and never said anything about it, like he kept that secret silently to himself, says a lot about Singh. And you're right, adds so much more heart to that character. Yeah, um, because of that. So, yeah. which and I, it was that was wonderful. Um, Okay, so we got to get into the cicada of it all. Um, you know, <laughs> Do we have which, to? Yeah, unfortunately. I, <laughs> I, I mean, granted, there wasn't a lot to really talk about with it. It was really just her kind of stalking around until they could stop her. Um, <laughs> she really didn't achieve anything. Uh, really, it just boiled down to them finally having to make that realization. Where, like, we have to destroy the dagger. We know what's at stake on doing this. And they're like, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another way. And Norris is like, nope, there isn't. And this is how we do it now. Um, and Barry takes the shot, destroys the thing. We jump to the future. We see reverse flash in one of those wonderful reverse flash moments. Just wipe out everyone uh, in the only the way that he can. That's truly kind of terrifying still. That's the one beautiful thing I love about Tom Cavanaugh that just makes my brain just, just go, wow. He is able to just turn on a switch and just be like this perfect ultimate evil, but charming as hell doing it every step of the way. Well, he, and I've mentioned before how reverse flash is probably my favorite villain in, in the Arrowverse right now. And I'll be completely honest with you. This is no takeaway from Matt Lesher at all. Cause Matt Lesher was great as reverse flash. Um, I wouldn't have the love for that character, for that villain that I do, if not for Kavanaugh. I don't think I think I still would have loved the character if if Matt Lesher played him the entire time, but Kavanaugh turned playing that role up to eleven. I don't I yeah. don't think I would have the love for it's it's weird to say having a love for a villain, but I don't think I would have the love for Reverse Flash and Eobard Thawne if not for Kavanaugh. Yeah, no, I agree. And Matt Lesher again, you're right. I love like I always kind of like oh man I kind of want the Matt version right now because I think he would play better in this scene or oh my god I want the Cavanaugh version because he would play better in the scene the fact that they have two actors that can portray that character amazingly and they both bring bring something special to the role um, in in a way that's just truly wonderful and one of the things I loved that I didn't put together until we saw the dagger break the blonde hair that he has when he's Matt Leshner was there the entire time and I was like why is he blonde. And then it, the dagger gets destroyed, and then it goes back to stark black. And I'm like, that was cool. That was a nice, beautiful little touch that I just kind of missed out of the corner of my brain. But it worked so well, and I thought it was great. And I love that we got to see that that flash ring, that reverse flash ring come out, him speed through again, and just 
kind of this rock playing that villain the way that only he can pull it off. Now, there, there are a couple things that do confuse me about it. But, you know, when it comes to the Flash and it comes to the timeline, I kind of just let it go. Anytime I get confused by something pertaining to time, I try not to dwell on it and I just kind of let it move on. Um, the first one is if that dagger was destroyed, wouldn't that technically mean Eobard was never kept as a prisoner and not just randomly released at that point in time? Uh, well, because the dagger yeah, would have never been there to begin with, so how was it? How was he locked up the entire time? Well, he wouldn't have been. And that's, that's what the I mean. Thing is it's know what it was? It's um. Here's the piece to remember. Uh, because it, it, I my brain had to do the mental gymnastics on this one as well. I, so you're not alone. Okay. Uh, but I was able to eventually kind of like ah, got it. So I, I pulled up my my translucent whiteboard in front of my head and said, <laughs> okay. So when the dagger is destroyed. And this kind of ties back into Legends. So if you think about this this way. So the dagger is destroyed. So you have timeline A. So um, where he is locked up in 2046, 2049, wherever the fuck he's done. Sorry for the language. Um, but the dagger is destroyed because Cicada from the past, future goes back to the past. So again, alternate reality timeline A. So just think back to the future mode. So, but he's still stuck in that point. So once it's destroyed, it's you see that happen with Excess, where she has a moment or some time to kind of get out of there before the timeline rewrites itself. And he did say that the negative speed force is the only place that he can stay safe. So the fact that that wasn't fully rewritten yet, and because it's still something that's actively happening, so you kind of have to think of that scene happens at the same exact instance that the dagger is destroyed. Like we have in editing, you know, you think about that's destroyed the scene kind of carries out then we cut to that where it's happening but if you think of them happening at the exact same point in time he kills those people quick enough and is able to get into the uh okay speed force he's safe because that's what they tell so had to, do to stay alive so had he so had he stayed there after that and not he left would have, he, he would have been wiped it, out. it would have been the timeline would have changed and he would have never been locked up Right, Got it. but we also don't know where he would have been. Maybe he would have had a different fate. That's what I mean. Elsewhere. Yeah. So it's so again because we see this version of Reverse Flash that's been running around since season one. That is just honestly kind of like a cockroach. You just can't whatever you do, you can't get him out because he's just a survivor. Uh, he does not want to be wiped out. So and that's really what's been happening over and over and over again with his character, which why he's terrifying because he's willing to do anything he can to save his skin. Uh, we saw that in Legends Season 2 with the Legion of Doom. You know, we saw that in Flashpoint, all these little pieces. So it works really well in the way that they've been pulling this off. But, yeah, it does make sense now that they kind of brought in the reverse reverse speed force a little bit more with Nora. Negative speed the force, kind, yeah. Or the negative speed force because it allows us to kind of – Makes sense it, a lot of – makes a lot more sense knowing that there's a temporal zone that can't be uh, affected in Legends. But you also have the negative speed force as well. Yeah. That's also one of those things that can't be touched by the timeline. Okay. So. All right. So that's one. Uh, right. My other question, um, and maybe this is something that I missed. Uh, I Weren't we supposed to get an explanation as to why he was wearing that face and not his original face? Uh, I think they were supposed to, but maybe something got cut. So That's what I mean, because I thought we were supposed to get an explanation as to why he was wearing um, – he he was he was wearing um that face Matt and Lesher. not Matt Lesher's face. Matt Matt Lesher's availability. Done and done. Well, <laughs> maybe, but I thought we were still it supposed to get an explanation of it at some point. I, you know what? It, it's very well could have been a sequence that was filmed and cut because of time. Um, maybe, but I don't I don't think it really matters no. too much. I um, I think Kavanaugh played it better anyway. 
Yeah, and I think if you're going to have a character that's going to get under uh, a Flash relative's skin, it's got to be that version of the character. It makes more sense for it to be that one versus Matt because there's that visual hatred between Barry and and Thawn for that version from season one. And having that version be the one that torments and uh, pushes Nora over the edge makes it that much worse for Barry if it's then being Matt, you know? Yeah. So I think that makes a little bit more sense. Uh, and I'm right there with you. I think it was the right call on the writers. And, so. and, and I just want to say that um, I've met Matt and I've interviewed Matt and been on panels with Matt. Uh, Matt, if you're listening, I apologize. I, yes. We still love well, you. We, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> we do still love I, you as I, as, as uh as uh, honestly, honestly, Matt, I think what needs to happen is you and Tom need to come on the show, and you have to have a reverse flash off. So we'll we'll yes we'll give, you, give you lines of dialogue, and whoever can be more sinister is the best reverse flash. So. And we'll <laughs> give you an award during the primary awards for it. Oh my god, absolutely! <laughs> and they're gonna go no thanks. No, exactly. <laughs> uh, we'll pass. Thanks. Um, yeah. So I mean, again, I just think Kavanaugh. Yeah, I think Kavanaugh played it better. I think he was a better choice to play the character as a, at this point in time, anyway. So. Um, so I guess really the last thing to kind of talk about is, you know, when that all goes down, um, you know, Nora pretty much is the one that kind of says, well, I I made my bed. I'm going to lie in it. I'm not going to go into the, you know, the negative speed force and survive because that I just become like him. And she's just kind of like, it's fine. Uh, this is a good ending. I got to have my moment with my family. I got to know my father. I got to go through all these pieces. And she understands that it doesn't mean she's not going to exist. But this version of her is never going to exist. And yeah, I the time that, the timeline is going to shift, so she's going to be born at a different time now, and it's it's so that version of her no longer exists, right? So, but it doesn't mean again we won't see excess, which I think again there's a high chance we may still see her in crisis. So, uh, but she was a great part of the season. I can't wait to talk about Nora's character when we when we hit the annual because I think it brought something really special to the season of the Flash even though there were some big problems in the season of The Flash. But I think she was definitely not one of them. Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, and it was one of the things we kind of called last week anyway, or last episode, rather, was like, what's going to happen with Nora? Are they going to kill her off or is she going to go home? I mean, because we knew full well she wasn't a character that could stick around. There had to be some kind of closure to her character, whether or not... I mean, and I guess you can kind of say, in a sense, she was killed off because of the fact that she was erased from the timeline, or that version of her was erased from the timeline. Um, so I guess, in essence, she was kind of killed off. But um, yeah, again, she was not a character that could stick around. She was going to be a one-and-done season character. Yeah, and even Joe says it best. He's like, it's all right, we'll see her again one day, you yeah. know? And that was great. I love the fact that they still have that moment. So I mean, and, who, and who's to say that her being around and Barry and Iris having a chance to meet her uh, doesn't kind of encourage them to try to have a baby. Right. It's very true. You so know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the future is going to be for the flash, but I think they did a great job of setting up uh, and resetting the board for next year. Like it felt like old lingering things have, have all been taken care of. There was no like weird like, hey, you know, we still have to deal with this mess to come. Like, obviously, we all know there's a big mess still to come with Crisis on Infinite Earths. But I think for everything in the Flash, this was a great moment to clear the table and get to what started episode one of the Flash with that newspaper. Because really, that's the last moment to talk about is we do see, indeed, the newspaper have a major date change. The only episode that we don't see Marnevo in. Yeah. But. We do see that the paper goes from 2024 to 2019 to, to 2019 with not a specific date, but 
we, we, we just see it roll back to 2019. So we know it's coming. We all know it's coming. Um, and I think that was the best way to end it. There's no better way to end the, the finale for The Flash than that. So, again, really fun episode. I think, again, the cicada of it all drug a little too long. I think we were hoping for a lot more reverse Flash, which is why I ended up on uh, High Hero. But, again, you ended up with a yeah, – or, or, sorry, I, I went High Hero. You went Low Legend. Um, I think it's a really good place regardless uh, it was a fun finale, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing what Flash does next year. Me too. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Like I said, I think this was a good finale in that uh, it grounded a lot of elements of the series. Um, you know, we didn't mention Caitlin. Uh, Killer Frost is getting a new costume next season, which mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to seeing. Uh, because you're right, she has stepped up to become a more confident character, especially because there's no more conflict between the two of them. Uh, we see Cisco kind of taken out of the mix of superhero, but grounded back into the member of the team, uh, relying more on his intelligence over superheroics and, and metahuman abilities. Uh, and we see it go back to, you know, Joe is probably going to focus more on the, on the police, uh, rather than, uh, helping out with team flash. So he's going to be a big major ally in the police force, um, which is probably going to send, uh, Cecile back home to take care of the baby a little bit. So yeah. I think going into next season, we're going to see a more grounded, more centralized Team Flash in it being Barry, Iris, you know, with uh, Barry and Caitlin and uh, Ralph out on the out in the field with Iris and Cisco back at home base. Yeah, and I think that's great. It's going to feel a lot more like season one. Um, and that was the biggest complaint most people have about the Arrowverse is why is every single character a hero? Yep. And I think they realize that's been a mistake that they've been making. And you've been noticing that more and more Arrow did a, made sure to cut back the team this year. Flash found a way to cut back their team this year. Supergirl kind of did that as well. Like, you know, they, they did a really good job of saying it's supposed to be about these title characters. And the people around them were definitely there, but they had to kind of remember to get back to those points. And I think you're seeing a lot of their shows getting there, which was cool to see. Uh, any predictions on where they might go big bad for next year? Not a damn clue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'd be happy if it was Eobard again. Um, <clears throat> it's very possible. It's very, very possible. Um, I would actually like if uh, my hope is I want to see Godspeed. Ooh, that would be fun. I would love to see them play with Godspeed a little bit more, but um, I think they have—I think they have an opportunity to really do something fun and exciting next year and kind of wow us because I think the villains the last two years have been a little bit rough. And it's funny, you know, we all complain like, "Oh, not another speedster villain," and now we're all like, "Can we have another speedster villain?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Um, but you know what? Like I said, they have an opportunity to pretty much do whatever they want. And you know what? Flash is a show that's always been great. Uh, the biggest thing for me that's been missing the last two years, remember we always talked about humor, heart, and spectacle. It feels like we're missing a little of those 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 formulas uh, in the last two seasons, so I just hope they can find that again. I think we'll get it back. And get it revitalized, especially going into this, this coming year um, with Crisis. I think that's this is the time to make sure that formula is holding it true. Give us that Flash theme, guys. That's such a good theme, and it, it, it pinpoints those big moments. It feels like they're so afraid to use that nowadays, yeah. so I really hope that and they're not afraid to say run, Barry, run, but I mean, come on. Let's let's get back to the let's get back to that swelling orchestral music and all of these bombastic moments that make the show so much fun. So Agreed. But we'll talk about that during the annual. Yep. So uh, a couple pieces of feedback and then we'll wrap things up and move on to the news. Uh, our buddy Mark Kirkman over at Panels of Pixels, which is another podcast here on the network. Uh, OMG, I love this show so much. Those words Thawne used on Barry, a.k.a. Next Crisis. I'll see you next crisis, yep. Flash. Uh, I'm so sad about Nora. You felt the emotions from the actors in this episode. So much heart. But Cisco, 
Uh, I need vibe. Can't wait till next season. This is going to be a ride. Uh, Kelsey Schlitt, great finale. Honestly, need to watch this episode again and excited to see what's next for Team Flash. And of course, our buddy Shad, uh, I'm not crying. Shut up. You're crying. Uh, also, that Thawne beatdown was totally shway. That was a pretty cool fight scene, though. It was. Between the that two was pretty of them. awesome. Uh, really but yeah, awesome. so that wraps it up for our finale talk. Uh, a couple elements in DC news that we can discuss, and then we can uh, get ready to get out. Yeah, um, we're not going to spend a lot of time on news. I know we haven't talked in two weeks, but uh, in, in all honesty, there really wasn't much. There was a lot of rumor mill stuff that we don't we try to ignore as best as we can. But because it is us, we feel like there is one giant elephant in the room that everybody's been talking <laughs> about, losing their minds that we just want to have one quick word about. Yeah. So the casting rumors about Robert Pattinson as Batman, all I can say is suck it up, Buttercup, if that's the case. Because, look, every Batman casting has just been rife with controversy. Everybody can't get over the fact that he was in a single franchise. Like, let's let's look at it this way. I, a lot of people are have a love or hate with Star Wars uh, as far as the prequels. There's some amazing actors. And if you said Natalie Portman is a terrible actress because she was in Star Wars, well, guess what? It's not true. <laughs> so, look. He's done a lot of movies that are not Twilight, and he's actually a really, really good actor. I think he can pull it off great. All I can say is anytime there's casting rumors like this that are close to being confirmed, just remember, watch it and give it a chance. Heath Ledger was the best Joker we will probably ever see on the silver screen. Um, Michael Keaton, everybody lost their minds. And for anybody that grew up in the 80s, uh, 70s and 80s, man, he was our Batman for a long time. You know, just give it a shot. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Look, I'm not a fan of the Twilight series. Not in the in the in the least. I will make fun of that series until I am blue in the face. Uh, But again, you make a good point. Robert Pattinson is outside of that series is a really good actor. I mean, you look at him as Cedric Diggory in the Harry Potter series. um, And if you really want a good taste as to what his acting chops are, there's a movie called Water for Elephants which is actually a really well-done story based off a novel that he is fantastic in. Um, yeah. I, I po- when I posted the rumor about that, um, I jokingly said, if he sparkles once, I'm done, and I stick to that. Um, <laughs> but uh, again, I also posted in that, look, we'll give him a chance. It's you know We're not going to write him off simply because of a name. Yeah, it's, you got to remember. Uh, he was Cedric Diggory before he was, you know, Edward in Twilight. Yeah. So just, just take a take a deep breath. And everybody so loved him as Cedric Diggory. Exactly. So just remember, he has been in other movies. Please let him be. And even he's come out and said, "God, he's like, I'm so happy to not be have that as part of my life anymore." And you want to, and you want to look at, you you want to look at another more recent example. John Cryer is Lex Luthor. Right. People didn't I mean, know again, what to take about that, and he has been, as we mentioned earlier, our top one and two Lexes of any Lex. And again, it's a big, big thing to remember for everybody that Warner Brothers wants to get this right. There's a reason that they don't have a firm date on this. They want to make sure it's good. They know they have heavy lifting to do, and they need to make sure all of the, they, they're putting all of their chips in the right basket to make sure that their franchises succeed. So they're not going to make it. They're, they're going to do everything in their power to not make a major mistake or a misstep. So have a little faith in the director and the team that are working on the film and just give it a chance. There is rumors as well that our villains, oddly enough, could be the Penguin and Catwoman. So very, very interesting because it's kind of bringing this into Batman Returns territory. So but there is some rumblings that Josh Gad really could be up for the. I would love that I would so much. Love to see it. So love. That. Um, but yeah, so 
what's we're gonna put a pin in that rumor until we have confirmation again he we know he's in talks he said he's in talks but said he cannot talk about anything but nothing is confirmed at this point in time but if he is cast all we can say is please give him a, sh- a chance be nice on the facebook page be nice to your fellow geeks and just remember it's at the end of the day it is just a movie yes all right. Speaking of just a movie, <laughs> this is a movie I really hope happens because one of our favorite writers that has done some work on The Flash, that being none other than Zach Stentz, who wrote The Runaway Dinosaur, one of our favorite episodes of The Flash of all time, has just confirmed that while he was doing the rounds for his forthcoming Netflix feature film called Rim of the Worlds, that his long gestating Booster Gold screenplay is finally done and has been delivered to director producer Greg Berlanti. Um, so that means right now it is in the hands of Warner Brothers to make the decision if they're going to move forward with the Booster Gold fl- film or not. So very, very uh, excited and hopeful. Um, but again, who knows what's going to happen. But man, oh, man, a Zach Stentz Booster Gold film sounds like it could be the best thing. ever. Especially with Berlanti producing like it's yeah, it, it, that would be fantastic. Uh, as long as there's at least a cameo of of Blue Beetle. Yeah. Uh, and there's big rumors that uh, Berlanti's the one that's likely going to, to, to direct, too. Uh, so, you know, he's got a lot of goodwill at Warner Brothers, so I'm really, really hoping they've got something there. Because, man, I, uh, doing Michael Carter's story on the big screen, I think, would be truly amazing. Yes, so. agreed. All right, jumping into the DC Universe side of the world, uh, we've got something a little bit new. So, uh, Breck Basinger, who's going to be playing Stargirl, has just put a quick shot up on her Instagram showing off her in the brand new costume for Stargirl while they're filming. So super excited uh, because, man, that cast sounds awesome and awesome and awesome every time I hear anything about that. And let's be honest right now, uh, DC Universe is two for two. So um, I'm hoping Swamp Thing continues that trend and then Stargirl is right around the corner being just as awesome. So fingers crossed, but if you haven't checked it out, again, you can uh, just do a quick search on her Instagram and you can see that image. Uh, but jumping also into another side project here. Uh, so on CW Seed, uh, we have another animated feature right around the corner, and it's going to be a micro series with Deathstroke. Right now, at this point in time, we do not know who is going to be voicing the character in the animated series. Uh, but Mark Pedowitz did say it is really damn awesome. They showed it at the uh, CW upfronts. Uh, there is some hope and rumblings that Manu Bennett is going to be returning to portray the version of the character on there as well. So. And we're going to do one other thing out of order before we get to our last two big things before we get out of here. Uh, So we do know the next DC animated feature film, which is Hush. If you haven't checked it out, the trailer is indeed on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC primetime. But that will be coming out on digital services, including DC Universe on July 20th. And then if you don't have an option for physical, you can check that out on Blu-ray and DVD on August 13th. All right. Aside from that, we have a little bit to talk about. We did see our full first trailer for Batwoman. And all I can say is, holy crap, that show has revitalized my interest and can't wait for next year because we see a really, really fantastic look at the character. Uh, I think they're going to do an amazing job. And we have found out officially the show does take place. And it sounds like the season, not the not just the first episode, will take place before Elseworlds. Yeah. So we're going to see some jumping around a little bit. But. Uh, it sounds like there are other secret Arrowverse stories in the works that Batwoman will also be a part of, in addition to Crisis on Infinite Earths next year. So we it sounds like we're going to see quite a bit of Ruby Rose playing Kate Kane. 
So um, if you haven't checked it out yet, we highly recommend checking it out. I will also highly recommend do not look at the YouTube comments and do not add to the vitriol and hate that's going around because, man, oh, man, um, there are some vile things being said on that trailer from some people that should does not speak. So <laughs> I never read the comments on YouTube videos. I, um, I never it's, do. It, it's more uh, more along the lines of uh, it, it started making news about some nasty things being stated to the cast crew and writers. So if you are one of those people, please take a moment, think about your life and remember that the people you're saying this stuff to are people. Um, they are here as entertainers and they're trying to bring stories and inclusivity to a lot of people, not just you. So please be respectful. Um, and remember if you have that point, just walk away from your computer, put your phone down, whatever you need to do, take a deep breath and find something that you enjoy versus trying to ruin something for everybody else. So that is the nicest thing I can say about that. Yeah. Uh, and again, if not, please go back and listen to Caffeine Crew's cast of pods, Toxic Fandoms, because, again, I will bring that up because I'm very, very proud of that episode. And I hope that makes people think just a little bit before engaging in that kind of stuff. But last but not least, let's end on a high note. Crisis on Infinite Earths. I figured this is going to be just kind of a little mini discussion with Ben and I. Uh, we don't have an exact news story to pull up from, but there's a lot of interesting information about that. We now know officially that this is going to be taking place over five episodes officially. Um, that we also know it's going to be unlike any other crossover we have had in the past, where it's going to be broken up in two sections. Uh, it sounds like we're going to have the front half right before the mid-season finales. My guess is probably about two episodes. And then we're going to see the following three episodes probably post uh, mid uh, mid uh, mid series returns from you know when we come back after post Christmas could be the other way around where we can see three and two we could see four and one whatever the hell it may be but I would not be surprised to see a big setup and then a big finale that pushes off at the end. So uh, you know what I could I could potentially see this in in complete and total honesty I could see this playing out across five episodes. And some of the shows not even being included, to be honest with you. Like, I could see the Batwoman, um, <clears throat> like, I could see the Batwoman episode, like, season wrapping up for mid-season before Crisis. Um, and then seeing her include, like, see her mid-season finale leave Gotham City to head towards wherever this crisis is taking place. So her, you know so her yeah. finale not even being a part of Crisis, and then seeing this play out across like Supergirl and Flash in in the first half, and then come back to, you know, Arrow, Flash, and Legends after the break. Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, I, we do know Batwoman's going to be on Sunday nights, I believe, following Supergirl. Mm -hmm. We know that Arrow is going to follow Flash. Um, I'm not sure what night they said Legends is going to be happening, but like I said, um, I, I don't know if it's been confirmed yet what the episode count is for Batwoman yet. So that could play a big role in this as well. So I'm very curious to see how this is going to play. But uh, I'm, I'm, again, very, very curious to see how they're going to do this because it sounds so unlike any of the other crossovers. But it seems like they've gotten more faith in this than they've ever had before. So... Um, I'm really, really excited, and I'm sure at San Diego Comic-Con we're going to see something cool. I could see this – I can, in all honesty, I could see this playing out just across Arrow and Flash. Mm -hmm. and, you know, having Batwoman and Supergirl having their – again, having their mid-season finales the week that Sunday before Crisis begins, and their finales kind of be the lead-in to them going to wherever Crisis is taking place – Crisis I, taking I place on Flash and Arrow, and then coming back to Flash I, and Arrow, and then the Batwoman and Supergirl season premieres taking place after Crisis, or mid-season premieres. I also wouldn't even be surprised if it's not attached to any of the shows, and CW just, CW just, just calls it Crisis. 
It's 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 a special event that's happening on CW, and it's Crisis on Infinite Earths episode one. You know what? I think that would be brilliant. Uh, And then they said, "Hey, we'll return on January fifth, whatever it may be." You know. Uh, for the conclusion, and that could be brilliant. You know what? I think there's a strong case for that, too, because if you remember, um, we've got a title card for Crisis on Infinite Earths, and it looks like a show title card. We didn't get that from any other crossovers. We didn't get that from else. we got posters and a little tiny logo, but like they've treated this like a a feature film I, and they did say this is a five hour basically feature film. I think you I think you could be onto something there. I think Crisis could be it's in relatively it's its own series. Yeah, very possible. But regardless, we'll probably know more soon. They said there's plenty more to come up that the CW is going to bring up over the next couple months as we gear up and get ready to head into next year. Uh, again, be ready for uh for December cuz it sounds like we're going to go out with a bang this year. Yeah, so. For sure. Um all right. Uh, recommendations. Let's get out of here. Um, mine are short and sweet. Um, I'm going to recommend two. I'm going to recommend Swamp Thing, which debuts on U- on DC Streaming Universe this week, uh, because we're going to be talking about that next week in our summer premiere episode. Uh, and I'm also going to recommend Doom Patrol at the same time, because we're going to be talking about that in a couple weeks. And if you're not already watching that, what the hell are you waiting for? Because it Indeed. is it is arguably one of the best superhero comic book shows I have ever seen. Yeah. No lie. And I'm, I'm going to share those recommendations 100% right along with you, but also include Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We will be reviewing that next week, so make sure you're you're caught up to speed, so that way you can follow along with the conversation. We'll try to do our best to put a tiny... Ah, no, we're not going to put any break in there. We're just going to go for it. <laughs> so be ready. Like I said, spoilers inbound like you hear at the start of every episode of this show. Uh, but beyond that, though, too, cheap plugs I'll roll into mine before heading it back over to Ben. Uh, you can always find me, too, uh, at the Caffeine Crew cast of pods over at thenextlevelnetwork.com. Our last episode that went up was Extinct Geekdoms and Fads. Uh, our next episode is going to be body, uh, body Positivity and Geekdom, which we're probably going to record in about two weeks' time, getting back on track here. But um, also a big special thanks to our good friend George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. You hear his tunes each and every week on this show, with the exception of the upcoming episodes when our annual tunes start getting ready to kick into place. Yes. Uh, and I do have to say too, before I go into my cheap plugs, I started listening. I'm not finished it yet, but I started listening to the extinct, extinct fandoms episode of caffeine crew cast pot since I wasn't on it. Um, and it's funny because every time I would think of one, as you guys were discussing one thing, like you guys were talking about the different drinks and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, nobody's bringing up Sobe energy. Oh, never mind, You just said it. <laughs> and every that was a, no lie that was a hard episode to record because we're like crap we've already talked about all these points we're like maybe this wasn't the best <laughs> but every time that would happen i would be like oh you guys forgot nope never mind somebody just mentioned it at one point we're like a ha- within a half hour of the episode i'm like i'm just gonna stop saying it because somebody eventually brings it up all i can say is that episode made me want snapple elements back on the shelf i've so never badly. had it but it made me oh, it made so me want to so be energy <laughs> that's what it made i don't even think Sobe still exists anymore does it uh it probably does probably it's uh, elsewhere you know elseworlds elseworlds uh, there we go it does uh Sobe elseworlds that's a good drink but yeah uh, you can catch this podcast as well as all other podcasts here on the next level podcast network the next level network.com facebook.com slash the next level network and of course the facebook page for this podcast uh okay. facebook.com slash dc primetime where we encourage you to uh well can't leave feedback for episodes currently unless you want to leave them for Swamp Thing, which we'll probably post one for Swamp Thing uh, mm-hmm. and Doom Patrol as well as we have for the other episodes. But yeah, we've already given you our summer breakdown.
down as to a summer episodes and we're really looking forward to to getting through that again if you are interested in potentially becoming one of the new co one of the new hosts of this podcast if we go that route uh again message us on facebook facebook.com slash dc primetime uh or send us an email dc primetime at uh next level network next level radio online.com the emails haven't changed um your best bet is probably just to message us on Facebook. Yes, uh, please. Tell us who you are and what you feel like you can bring to the table. And you know, if you've done a podcast before, send us links to them so we can check you out beforehand. If you're one of our friends that has been on this show before and you are ready to take over the reins for it with us, send us a message. Like I said, it doesn't matter where you come from. As long as you have a love for the properties, you're a respectful human being, we'll give you a shot. Yes, <laughs> so. exactly. Uh, but I think that is going to wrap it up for this uh, extended episode because we just broke the two-hour mark a couple minutes ago. Uh, it was a big one. That was six episodes. Yeah, so. we had a lot to talk Not about. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this episode and, of course, our fall finale of the of the podcast, uh, which doesn't mean we're taking a break. We're right back to it next week with the premiere of our summer episodes. Uh, but until that time, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.